0: 2017 can you believe it art here we are new year it is 2017
1: you know it's so nice for the first time in this podcast we're hitting the ground
0: running on the first of the year i can't wait for this great 2017 year scott you do realize we're five months behind schedule right ah
2: The Ian Fleming's James Bond 007 You may now open the of you.
3: Code name For your eyes only. Are you ready to get back to work?
2: With pleasure, Em. With pleasure.
0: So what's up, man? So, you know, five months, but here we are. It's been a while. Yeah. Life it's, happens. It's May. Can you believe it's May? It, it, is, it is May, and we had all the dreams and hopes and desires to uh, be on track, have probably four or five podcasts done by now. However... Life happens. Have we shared? How? Have we shared on the podcast you're on Kid number 3 about it's to about to pop. Yep. About, to pop. Mama's about to pop. How rusty is this podcast going
1: to be? That is the question. I mean, is it going to be like a scratch and dent job of a bonding or bond for your eyes only? I think
0: I think it's going to be like a young teenager riding their childhood bike. <laughs> a little wobbly, but after a while you're just rocking and rolling. All right. it's, it's going to be your first sexual escapade, your first goat
1: rodeo where it feels great, but it's really a mess up, you know, horrible situation.
0: I mean, I've been in this country my whole life, and I don't know what a goat rodeo is, so I can't really (laughs) respond to that.
1: (laughs) Well, hey, man, it's great to be back. It is. It's been way too long. It
0: it has been. It has been. So we've definitely been hit with just real life. Life. Obviously, you know, the move for you, which is something that that we were aware of and kind of adapted to, but I think we got a little busy there obviously a, a father of two about to be three i had to move suddenly which t- kind of you know wasn't something i was planning for i had a promotion so just yeah. been busy you know yeah, life has but- kind of gotten in the way but here we are we're ready to jump back into it i think both of us are kind of um, going through a little withdrawal finally yeah you know we're like we need to get this done like so, i'm pumped yeah and then even when we were ready just a series of You know, one of the times I got a little inebriated, another one of the times you got sick. So it was just something kept us from getting together and and being here. But here we are. Yeah. Talking about one of, if not the greatest James Bond movies in the entire series from Russia with Love. It's pretty good. Fifth Bond book. It's pretty good. Second Bond film. Released in 1963 in the UK, 1964 here in the United States, starring the one, the only... Sir. Sean Connery. That's right. It grossed $78.9 million on a $2 million budget. I'm not that good at math, but that seems like a pretty good investment, if you ask me.
1: That's a good ROI right there, for sure.
0: I think so. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, Scott, how you doing? Like, let's catch up. You know, our fans probably wondering... How how are, are we alive? Are we you know we kind of dropped off the radar there. Picked up the Twitter kind of this week. There's some big news, um, or fake news, as you may say in our, our time.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm doing well, as you pointed out. I have a third on the way, so mm-hmm. way to way to think that one through. So there's going to be a big life change, life changing event for us. Yeah. And, uh, weather's getting nice. Doing a lot of improvements on the house. So those are my weekends typically. And then, right. uh, and you with the uh, relocating and the promotion and everything, and you know, just life got in the way. Tempest fugit to steal yeah. a line from uh, Latin and Specter. Um, but yeah, that's life is good. I, I mean, we we you know obviously we keep in touch. Sometimes some weeks go by, but life is good for you. How you doing?
0: Yeah, I think so. Doing doing pretty well. Um, just ready to get back into things. Mm-hmm. Get back to uh, podcasting. Be a part of whole James Bond community again.
1: Mhm. We got that website going now. So, oh, oh wait, no, that's that's actually not.
0: Some things are always the same. Some things are always the same. At this point, it's almost like a running joke, you know, the uh,
1: yeah. We almost should just never have a
0: website. That's probably a poor idea. That we'll get on it. We'll, uh, so, what do you think will happen first? James Bond 25 or us finishing a finishing a website? I think the website. Hopefully, at this point, they're they're guessing from everything that I've been reading. We're looking at 2019 now for James Bond 25.
1: Yeah, I mean, Just
0: based off everyone's production cycle and where they are with filming, uh, script seems to have been commissioned. They're working on that. Uh, looking at Craig's schedule, assuming we're living in a world where Craig's coming back. Please, oh please. Rumors, Lord. rumors are flying that. Uh, Barbara Broccoli was able to get him back. That's the last hints that we've heard from the, the interwebs. So, mm-hmm. I mean, who's to say the interwebs also led us to believe that Chris Nolan was going to be involved with Bond 20. My heart skipped ex- beat.
1: Explain that. Explain that. A little more detail, please.
0: So, it, from my understanding, and I, I missed the whole IMDB uh, being on there and then IMDB it being off. Uh, but Christopher Nolan's name. What are you looking at?
1: <laughs> the sticker on your sweatshirt. I oh, got a. Fr- I,
0: I got a free comic today. Yeah, today was Free Comic Book Day, man. That's good. Didn't you participate in Free Comic Book Day? I
1: did not. I did not. You did should. You There's it. a lot
0: of good comics for kids, man. And you got kids. Those are two things that you, you have. Two of them. They are. They. They need about another year or two before they're there. They're still reading. They're still reading the the little kid books right now. Yeah, they have like they have comics for like tiny tots. Really, yeah. They had one. It was called like colorful monsters, and it's made out of like coloring book. Between, uh-huh. You know, like yeah. yeah. So like, um, some of them were actually like the strips were already done, and the other ones it was strips with like open bubbles. That sounds like a good thing
1: just... for a uh, godfather to send to his godson.
0: I mean, yeah, it's <clears a> good, <throat> sounds like a great thing. <laughs> um, I see what you did there. Yeah. See.
1: uh Anywho. I uh, see what uh, happened. Yeah. So Chris Nolan and
0: IMDB. So on IMDB Pro, it showed that Chris Nolan's production company, uh Syncopy, was had listed James Bond twenty five as one of its upcoming projects. What intern just got fired and burnt at the stake after all this thing just happened with the uh some poor kid who's not even paid. Or do you think it, it is Who saw a memo flash upon their desk you know, trade like, line rumors. You know what I and do? was a big bond fan. And I just have like the power. Yeah. I have the power yes. to update IMDb. I'm going to let everyone know. And yeah, that kid's fired now.
1: Or there's just like this massive propaganda machine of the movie industry where it's like, okay, it, it's just like the new iPhone comes out and that gets accidentally left at the bar. And somebody sees what the new iPhone eight looks like. You know, it, there's, There's probably a huge marketing propaganda machine that somebody let that slip out. So
0: just to get a test, how do people people feel about Chris Nolan? Do we like Chris Nolan for Bond 25? So anyway, it was listed uh, somebody on Twitter that I saw actually reached out to IMDb said, Hey, is this for real? Because everybody on Twitter was about to go live on it. And then IMDb said yes. Then they followed back and said, Actually, no, it's been removed. So we are left into, you know, limbo. Obviously, behind every rumor is a sliver of truth. Yep. So I would like to believe that in some way, Chris Nolan is going to be involved, whether it's doing, you know, uh, Jonathan Nolan is his brother. They do scripts together. Maybe they're been commissioned. They're going to help with the script. Maybe he's going to direct Maybe he's been offered something else. Who knows? Um, We we do know, here are some facts, Chris Nolan is a James Bond fan. Mm. Chris Nolan's favorite Bond film is no other than On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Mm. On Her Majesty's Secret Service had a very big influence on a little film called Spectre, Spectre. Mm -hmm. which did end on, one could say, possibly a cliff note to continue that story and if you're a little child whose favorite film is On Her Majesty's Secret Service and you're British, and then you become one of the best, most talented, highly critically acclaimed directors in the world, and you get a chance to possibly direct a film which could be construed as a direct continuation of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, you jump at that, right? You take think that so. opportunity. Yeah, why not? I love Chris Nolan. I mean, he could film a dog taking a shit and I'll pay 20 bucks to go to the theater and see it in IMAX. So much chase. Yep. I know. Yeah. Both films ended in a car. One
1: woman was alive. One woman was dead. But yeah, I mean, I mean, there, yeah, there's a lot of interesting, interesting futures there. That, that I'm, I'm very excited by the idea of that, for sure.
0: That it, it would be. The other real big news that kind of pulled me in, you know. As Donald Trump is president. <clears throat> oh, that's not it. No, no. no. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, I was. You know, sometimes you go into a safe space and you you try to forget about these things. And (laughs) sorry about that. That was my Um, harsh harsh reminder of uh, where we are in life. One other Um, thing. So the other thing that you know kind of caught my attention, and as Al Pacino says a Godfather Part Three, you know they just pulled me back in. The writer strike. I was very interested with Uh, that happening. Uh, because obviously the last writer strike had an impact on our beloved James Bond series, as it prevented the Quantum of Solace script from being quote unquote truly completed. Yeah. Um, having a second run at it, so they were going pretty much off of uh, that first draft, which really um, anybody who follows movies, you're not that's your first draft really isn't your filming draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually it goes through even if it's unofficial, at least like another rewrite where you're looking at stuff, and then you have. The writers is kind of on set sometimes, especially Mm -hmm. with a budget like that or a a film of that magnitude. And uh, that really wasn't there. Um, So people obviously have very strong opinions about Daniel Craig's second outing as Bond. I think I've shared I'm a little more pro Mm -hmm. than most, but we didn't want that. You know, the last thing you want is kind of the hype of Spectre You know, how each Bond film in the last few years has gotten positive reviews, pretty positive with fans. It's been, um... You hear that? Yeah, that's a noise.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to turn that off.
0: i honestly don't know what the fuck i was saying i was on a, I i was about to go on a roll and then it just.
1: <laughs> that's how you should so cut we're it just right. gonna move on should, we're just gonna cut, that works for me you should cut we're, it in right just yeah. say i don't know what the fuck
0: yep that's where so um you guys got to hear elevator music uh the rest of us got to hear fucking house pumps <laughs> going off so that's cool i live on septic and well water okay i'm sorry I'm it sorry, happens. the wife flushed the toilet.
1: That's what happens.
0: All right, hey. So anyway. Are you ready, Are you ready you to on? Things were, I mean, I no. guess if you're just saying let's move on, like I no. was talking, but Go I ahead. guess your pumps had a different, no, no, f- fuck it, we can. <laughs> goat <Let's> rodeo. Just... <laughs> if this Rusty. is the definition of a goat rodeo, then right. I don't want any part of that.
1: <laughs> Rusty. Woo!
0: So, let's get it started. From
3: Russia with love, I fly to you, much wiser since my goodbye.
2: You are listening to the Bonding Over Bond podcast. You may now open your dossier for Segment A, The Mission Brief.
0: From Russia with Love. Best film in the series. Mm. You ready for that?
1: That's... A lot That's, That's a lot of praise. That's a lot of praise. I want to set the
0: tone up front. Is it Thunderbolt? Is it the quote, and I don't know who said this, but he was a pretty bright guy, the quintessential quintessential Bond film? No. I don't, I don't think so. It's not. It's not the quintessential Bond film. Um, is it one of the most influential? Yes. Yes. Does set up. It is the, the modern um, Bond film that gives a lot of the tropes that we're used to. Does it have one of the most. Uh, does it have the best MacGuffin? I think so. Hmm. Does it have Sean Connery at his prime? Possibly not. Pretty close, though. He's really good in this movie. Does it have a great collection of villains? Yes. Yeah. Does it have a great Bond car? No. No. That's it right there. That is really it is. Overall. Uh- Overall the best? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. No. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. It's it's too soon. It's too soon, nineteen sixty three, too soon. Not yet. We can't really judge it yet. 24 they films haven't in. they haven't got
1: no, it's too soon, they haven't gotten there yet. I I'll I will tell you they've got eighty percent Set. they got three quarters of the way there.
0: Who's that? What are you talking about? This film? The film? The film? From being f- perfect?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is the right place to bring it up. It's probably way too early in the in our discussion to bring it up, but I, I think they fell a little short in the fantasy realm of James Bond.
0: So this, thing, is it, second, it, this is the second. It's obviously oh, the the second film. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think there there's there's two. There's probably two or three ways you can tackle greatest Bond film, best Bond film. You can look at it within the series, of which case I think Thunderball flies through the roof because there's some things Thunderball has set up that if you don't do it as a Bond film currently or even after Thunderball, it's kind of like, hey, we're missing X. That -hmm. didn't happen because Thunderball said every movie from here on out, it should have these things in it. Uh, Part of that I'm going to argue is the fantastical part of it which gets increased as we move forward from thunderball um the other part is you look at just overall does it reach past james bond films is it film that transcends the series and then that's where you start getting the arguments for casino royale you start getting the arguments for skyfall some people i guess will start arguing for specter you get the the modern um Daniel Craig-era people who say these are the best films. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, when I'm talking about the, the, the greatest film of the series, it's the film that made James Bond a series. So Dr. Node, to me, is a great film. It establishes the series, but it looks different. It, has, it feels different. Yeah, it it doesn't have it didn't set. These are things that need to happen from Russia with love comes in. And between Peter Hunt, John Barry and Terrence Young, they established this formula that is the foundation. I'm going to call this uh, the the trifecta of greatness. Yeah, I I'm think just going to so. coin that right there. Um, plus, you have a tremendous plot that stands the test of time. Mm hmm. You have an interaction between main character and James Bond, MI6, as represented by Q, um, M, and Monty Penny. A great interaction between Bond and his um, help out in the field. A great interaction between Bond and the Bond girl, who actually mm-hmm. plays a vital role to this film. Yep, and you have a tremendous tension between Bond and the villain yep. and together when you put that package together it's when you, when you look at a new Bond film there are a few things that one you expect and Thunderball set up the expectation from Russia to Love set up that's the mirror in which you hold up a new Bond film and you say is this one great or not Does it live up to the things that Russia from Love stated a great Bond film should have?
1: Yeah, I think all those things you pointed out are great. And I I wish I would have counted them because everything you said are vital and what makes this film so great and sets the tone, if you will. The last aspect that was missing was just an ounce more of fantasy. And when I mean by fantasy, I mean like uh, jetpacks off the roof. I mean crotch-cutting lasers. I
0: mean underwater massive battle scenes. So, th- it- I mean, it, what you're describing, though, so do you rank Thunderball greater than From Russia With Love? I mean, in our running rankings, I don't have yours in front of me. Uh, I,
1: I do have them in front of me, so let me look. Um, No, Obviously- I did not obviously you're a goldfinger man we've established this in well, our in our series yeah but goldfinger and from russia with love goldfinger is just above from russia with love i think the biggest problem i have with from russia with love is it was lacking a bit of fantasy the problem i have with thunderball is it Wh- was which, too
0: far which one do you have higher uh the spy who loved me or from russia with love from russia with love see so everything that you're saying it's missing you actually rank those quintessential movies. Which one do you have higher, From Russia with Love or um, Golden Eye? Oh, From Russia with Love by far above Golden Eye. So you want Golden or Goldfinger? Thing. Golden Gold- Eye. Yeah, way above it. So you want this fantastical? I want fantasy within reason. So Golden Eye, or I mean Goldfinger.
2: Mm-hmm. What I do you
0: have above Goldfinger? Skyfall on Casino Royale. Casino Royale, I don't see any fan- fantastical sequences. I would tell you the
1: fantasy in that film for me, one one example of the fantasy is the... Is a chick med- riding
0: a horseback in a bikini? That's pretty <laughs> That is a fantasy. That, se- that sequence sticks out in that movie. When you go back through, <laughs> it, that sequence is not aged well.
1: One One fantasy of that film is the medical kit in the car. The fact that they could tie in electronically and they could use a medical kit. That is really? a crot- thats a crotch-cutting laser fantasy level to some
0: extent. The government is listening into our recording a podcast right now. And you think a- absolutely. that? You think it was far-fetched that they were able to medically? That was 11
1: years ago. <laughs> 11 years ago where we had flip phones if we were lucky. <laughs> or we had a big old Nokia phone. I mean, so that was a little different, you know? I mean, you get to a point where you're where you're really just the a, a term that I love, which I don't know if you ever heard it before, but it's like picking the fly shit out of the pepper. It is so they're so tight, they're so close, and on any given day. But if you make me try to find a way to to, to differentiate between the two, that is what is missing from Rushwood Love for me is a level of fantasy, the most level of fantasy... the 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 biggest part of fantasy in that film is the car with the the pager phone system uh bugging of the room which we might talk about later but you know those are so, the things
0: okay 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 i see because we've especially talked about the before. car the yeah. car
1: is a big fantasy level of of the film the bond you know, gadgets the exactly the gadgets i'm and I all, all say these gadgets, gadgets are really gadgets, realistic yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, and don't be too gadgety. Don't be too stupid and crazy, but a level of gadgetry that is achievable, yeah, is missing from this film.
0: So we've talked about before the the idea of like the the Bond tree per se. When you look at uh, which type of James Bond an actor is, and Mm -hmm. and you have Sean Connery, obviously Doctor No. Leads to From Russia With Love. And then From Russia With Love leads into Goldfinger. But it starts to veer a little bit toward this fantasy that you're wanting. The pendulum. And then from Goldfinger, you get a little... Some people say too much. Some people would say right on the money. I'm okay with Thunderball. And then uh, from there, you fall off. I think the edge. And you get to You Only Live Twice. So there's like the start of the tree. And then you have George Lazenby come in, and I think George, he portrays a bond that, that's closer to the doctor, or excuse me, the from Russia lineage. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, Diamonds, which Connery goes back to, you know, the pendulum goes, it's not even fantasy at that point. To And, and I guess we're all over the place with this podcast, but that's what a For Your Eyes Only kind of is. Um, For me, Diamonds is, it's, it's, the pendulum falls, like, off. Even, it's not just a fantasy, it's just, like, cartoon. Yeah. Almost. It's a spoof. It's Sean Connery spoofing himself as James Bond. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And then you have Roger Moore, who's clearly off of the tree. He's that Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, some of that comedy. He picks up, I think, some of the lightheartedness of Diamonds. Mm Mm-hmm. But makes it his own, and then you have that tree, and then um, you have Tim Dalton, who goes right back to From Russia. He's he's another branch off of that, even more so than Lazenby, just serious, you know, to the point. He's not too into the, the plot may have some of that fantasy that you like, but as an actor, as a yeah. James Bond, it's more of that very yeah. serious, you know, kind of attitude, but here's... We, we, you, casu-
1: a- you, you casually glossed over a bunch of stupid branches hanging off the Roger Moore part of the tree. I mean, I'm, that are I'm, really, I'm, really I flipped, crazy. I and-
0: flipped a new, a new leaf. We've talked about this. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm trying to not shit on Roger Moore at But every there time. are a bunch
1: of stupid branches hanging off the Roger Moore part of the tree. So, like you're saying, where, where, where things swing... Yes. there's seven films there where they range they go in totally different directions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you you were you were saying then you talk about Pierce Brosnan.
0: So Pierce Pierce I think ch- brings the branches together. He's that mm-hmm. perfect intersection of a Connery and a and a pierce. Yeah. And then obviously you and have stupid 90s action film. Yeah. Right. Um you know, we've talked about and I'll say this every time I bring up Pierce uh, Pierce's Bond is um, he was hurt more so by the 90s style of film than anything he ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously Daniel Craig is straight off of that from Russia with love, George Lazenby, um, Timothy Dalton, part of the branch. Um, so yeah, I can definitely, I get what you're, what you're saying with what it's missing. Um, but I guess it, it all depends on what you're looking for, right?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there's no doubt and, and and the couple of false starts false starts we had, false starts we had uh, recording this. I've watched this film quite a lot mm-hmm. okay, and because you know how I prepare for these films, and it's just a solid film. it really is. I love so much about the film. it makes me really realize how much I love the music of the film if if I like the music. The soundtrack it, it, and this one is so solid with the big band and the John Barry, like you said, the John Barry, the uh, uh, Peter Hunt and the the Terence Young, the, tri- the the trifecta of Bondness, if you will, of Bond supporting cast or Bond per- production, if you will. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I've, I I yeah. agree with you. I've I've started to actually listen more to the soundtracks. Uh-huh. Um, and I as I showed you today, just on randomly vinyl on, on vinyl, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, on vinyl, it's much easier. You put it on, and you're just cleaning. You're doing stuff. I've actually like started to actually listen more to the entire soundtrack. Um, I bought Thunderball on vinyl. I have like two Roger Moors, um, Octopussy and uh, one other one. Another one, Regardless, on vinyl. And then today, um, Main Girl Friday found for me. We're at, at a, a consignment shop. They had this 10th anniversary edition. Of James Bond soundtracks, and it's the John Barry score, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. I was texting you. This It was crazy to think about At the 10 year anniversary of James Bond. Sean Connery and George Lazenby are the only two guys. That's it. That was mind blowing when you sent that to me. It was 10th like... anniversary, and that that's and then how just how far we've come 50 years later. Obviously, yeah. you know the number of different Bonds we have. But I'm playing the album, and it is just the pieces that are from from Russia with love just stand it's like just a whole different level and yeah. what it adds to the film yes not to cut you off but the soundtrack no, for this film is phenomenal it's solid it really is yeah with the uh
1: all the big band pieces and everything and they they mm-hmm. play them in multiple parts of the film and just the you know just that opening power of the uh staccato and the um just the the fast pace of the of the
0: of the sound is really awesome really good and i, re- I really think with this soundtrack when you look at some of the different scenes um, it's not there to necessarily make the movie go forward or just to add music but it really takes the tension mm-hmm. to another level and it, it it it's a part of the film i think more so than some other bond films where, you know, you're it's an action sequence, so some form of the James Bond theme has to play in yeah. the background. Like this yeah. one actually was adding to the tension. You know, mm-hmm. there's a reason that like where things were hitting at a certain point, and I, I thoroughly, you know, just found it amazing. And like you had said earlier, this trifecta that we're gonna quote, when you look at who's editing the film, who's directing it, and who's adding the soundtrack, if you could get all three of those things aligned, and even if you wanted to make um, a a fourth to that, the set designer, I think is another huge yeah. impact Ken Adam. Um when you're looking at well in Ken this Adams. film it wasn't Ken Adam. Uh it wasn't? No. He didn't Sid, he didn't do the chess scene? <clears throat> it was Sid Kane. No, Ken Adams Holy was doing Doctor Strangelove in this film, ironically enough. So it wasn't Ken Adams or Ken Adam. Yeah, it was um uh, Sid Kane's so, peace. Yep. So looking at, you know, what makes a, a film great, or just to be in that, you know, we could go back and forth and, you know, I, I think we can agree, whether it's one or two or five, that From Russia is one of the all-time greats. Absolutely. And when you're looking at what makes a great, and I think this is something to consider, too, as we analyze films in the future, is that, you know, triangle, and I mm-hmm. I, I would add a set designer, I think has a huge influence on... What the film? You know, making the film. So there's like four things that, the, that we the, can The consider. superfecta, if you will. The superfecta, one might say. Um, I did not hit the superfecta today. By the way, the superfecta. You need. Uh, what do you call? Is superfecta four? Four. Yep. What's the five bet? The quint. Quint doesn't exist. There's not a five bet. No. Well, if there was a five, a uh, fifth level. <laughs> For Bond, the, the 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 super pent, the penta <laughs> super, the screenwriter. Pentagon. When you're looking at um, making a great film, screenwriter, I think is the other factor for a Bond series that kind of establishes the the level of film that you're gonna see here. Mm-hmm. And all those things, you know, when you look at all the all check 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 from Russia, kind of. Gets a home run for each one of those. So where we're at, we're we're kind of all over the map. Getting back we're, on I track, mean, we're all everything. over the place. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's not bad to be a little bit, you know, we're all over no, the place. And I,
1: I've enjoyed the the randomness of the conversation, but you know, just getting us back on track. Our uh, story around the film. Are you? Are you? Do you have anything to say about that, or or do you want to talk about the
0: driving factor of the film? So just like briefly. It's again, we've never really established ourselves as a trivia podcast, uh-huh. but I, if you get a chance, anybody who's listening to this podcast to just check out, I don't know what version of the DVD you have or how you've consumed from Russia with love, but get a chance and look at the making of. Um, so I, Scott and I both have the collector's 50th anniversary edition. So mm-hmm. we have the same special features, uh, when we get together and, and we record the, the making of um, that series. I can speak to, I was amazed that this film was created with such chaos because the final product does not at all suggest. Um, And one of my favorite parts there, I forget who they're interviewing, but they said like the chaos of this film, like made like everybody was on edge and they're like, we have to make this product. And so many things were just like going wrong and everybody was on edge. That added to that tension they came mm-hmm. across in the final product, and I found that interesting that they were able to take that and then kind of everybody in their work, like how they're directing, like Sean Connery and how he's acting, Peter Hunt and how he's edited, like how quickly some of the shots are and they're putting this together, ended up and making, you know, a master film and how easily you can have a master film and a few things just make it a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's just one of the things – um, for example, the opening of the film where they have that chess scene, it's yeah. Peter Hunt when he's editing it. He's like, no, it actually needs to move here. And just there's a few times where when you're watching the making of where Peter Hunt as the editor would say to Terrence, like, we actually need to move where the scene is or we need to cut this or do that. And it made the film cleaner, tighter, better. Um, so that was, for all, without that, From Russia could have been, you know, kind of a a thud or had, you know, one of the criticisms I had with Dr. No, even though it's one of the shortest films, remember when we first started this podcast, I said, it feels like a tremendously long film. (laughs) Yeah. And that's because of that, that, that third, that middle third, especially when they get on the beach where it's just on and on. And From Russia was always, it's a longer film, but it's just moving, moving, It doesn't, it
1: doesn't feel long. It really does not feel long at all.
0: It doesn't, and it's... What's the running time on this one? I
1: don't know. Um,
0: 155. You know, so nearly two hours, which I yeah. think it's... that's one near, of the longer ones. Uh, 30 minutes longer than Dr. No, almost? Yeah. And, and yeah. yet, it moves. It just moves quicker.
1: <clears throat> no, no, that's uh, that's a fair point. I, I think that, that shines a light on how much Peter Hunt was so integral and, and such a, a big part of the entire the the entire especially the the uh uh some of the early movies were I actually don't know when he stopped being a part of the uh franchise because I know he he was the director in on Her Majesty's Secret Service but he was always actually, I actually think uh, that was was that his end? last I yeah. think so cuz he did so much with uh, just you know cutting um editing and uh cutting on the movement on mm-hmm. and Doctor No and everything so he yeah he's definitely been a big part and did some did some cutting edge stuff on the franchise so yeah the MacGuffin you brought that up earlier this I did is potentially one of the biggest MacGuffins in the franchise
0: you want to talk about that real quick so the idea of a, a MacGuffin is it's an object in a film or a book or really any storytelling that serves as the trigger for the plot mm-hmm. so very famously if you know, for those of our listeners that are trying to wrap their heads around that idea, think of any Indiana Jones film. So, very famously, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas would get together and they would figure out what the MacGuffin was for an Indiana Jones film.
1: It's the Ark.
0: Right. And then that's the whole film is. And very famous, like a lot of movies in the 30s, um, these adventure chase films, um, it's always a MacGuffin. You're chasing you know, something is is driving the film for this, it's the, the lector. Mm-hmm. So this item that we see briefly, um, probably early on than many films that have a driving MacGuffin. Um, but it's the thing that is propelling the movie forward. You know, we need to get our hands on this. We're chasing after this. And then once we get it back, it's kind of like, that's the end. And how do we get this back? Um, so that it's a pretty simple premise to do a film based on a MacGuffin. i um, looking at the series. I, I didn't really ponder on this. And I guess I should have taken better notes. Like in the series, other films that have a MacGuffin as a driver in the James Bond series, rather than like a chasing the villain. Um...
1: Yeah. I'm sitting, I'm sitting here trying to think like, um, uh, there's nothing really in Goldfinger. um yeah there's really nothing like there's nothing as solid as i'm trying to think like uh, for your eyes only there's really not a great even golden eye there's they're not like chasing the golden eye thing you put in the machine. Uh, I'm, I am I have a feeling we're missing something glaringly obvious to someone that is actually listening to this right now.
0: We probably are. Um, I mean, Casino, or excuse me, um, I guess embarrassingly if you look back at Spectre, you have um, La American as, as but Kind that, of, but it, it's introduced that's, later. That's, it's not really a, a gr- driver.
1: That's a great point, though. You're talking about comparing the MacGuffin of the second film to the MacGuffin pseudo, the pseudo-MacGuffin of the 24th film. Right. So that, that's a case in point. Like, there really hasn't been anything as strong as the Lecter in terms of MacGuffin. Correct. In the franchise.
0: And it's, I'm surprised it's not a device they go back to more, but I understand it's not the traditional... You know, Ian. Maybe that's what makes this film in some way so good. I mean, it, it might. Um, it, it's and it, easy it's easy
1: for the watcher to. There's a goal. You're getting right. something.
0: Right. And novel wise, I mean, it's it stood out when you look at the novels. Like, this is arguably Ian's strongest novel. Mm-hmm. Um, enough so that JFK actually won. This was the last film he ever watched. And he had it ranked as one of his favorite books mm-hmm. of, of all time. So. Yeah, maybe there's a point to that. That, um, and if anybody, if anybody knows how to control, use, and manipulate a MacGuffin as a plot point, it's none other than a little known director, Chris Nolan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the master of the fucking MacGuffin. He's so good. The fucking MacGuffin. The fucking MacGuffin. He's so good. <laughs> Hashtag you sometimes MacGuffin. you're not even aware of what it is that we're chasing until the yeah. end of the film, and you're just like. What? And if you want an example of what I'm seeing, go watch the Prestige. Put this <laughs> podcast on hold. Watch the Prestige, and then come back. All right, I actually haven't seen
1: that, so I'm going to go ahead and put this on hold, and I'll be back in a little bit.
0: All right. So we'll be uh, we'll pick up this recording. <laughs> you should check out that film though if you haven't seen it.
1: Hey, uh, on that topic, I'm watching a little-known show called Breaking Bad. I don't know if never you've never seen heard an episode of, if you've yet. Heard um, about it? Have uh, you yeah. really not in real I'm life? Really not? It's actually really good. It's really I heard. I, I heard so. You know, twenty twenty eleven said it was really good and and we agree. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Okay. Cool. But anyways, uh MacGuffin,
0: Yeah. So it I mean it's it adds to the plot, so it is kind of the, the plot driver. I I've always loved the plot of from Rush with Love. I think it's clean. I think it's, it's easy clean. to
1: follow. I think that's perfect right
0: there. It's clean. Yeah. It really is. Okay. So we agree it's great. It is great. Okay.
1: How do you feel about uh, the direction of the film, or the soundtrack,
0: or any of those? So the the direction I I thought was great, um, and I mean I'm a fan of Terrence Young. Obviously, without Terrence Young, there's no Bond. I mean, he creates the Bond style, the Bond look. Yeah,
1: um, I think even if you're not. Even if you know nothing about Terrence Young, which I'm not going to claim to be a Terrence Young fan, uh, a Terrence Young uh, expert, Uh if you like anything to do with James Bond, it probably has a lot to do with Terrence Young. It does. So, you know, by default, you're a Terrence Young fan. So, I mean, yeah, I mean,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. I don't so know, let, me ask, let me ask you a question because this film we, we've already addressed and it's clear that Peter Hunt's influence on uh-huh. uh, from Russia makes from Russia not just a good film but a great film and you could argue that <clears throat> that's really the difference between Doctor No and this film it's kind of the, the, how it's set up, how the cuts happen how tight it is how quickly it moves forward um, yet Peter Hunt goes on and directs On Her Majesty which is a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast that we've already done but On Her Majesty I can understand some of the complaints of that film is that there are areas that it it drags. I think there's some parallels to the things that went well though
1: especially in the terms of soundtrack Correct, Um, yeah, that's another film with a phenomenal soundtrack. Yeah, so I think not knowing the gentleman at all but you probably say that he really embraced the john barryness if if i can say that, the 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 big band atmosphere the the solid sound the solid soundtrack i think you know uh peter hunt probably embraced that and and thought that was an important an an important part of the film so yeah um is there anything else you want to say about the soundtrack? Then this. Well, part I was
0: just, it? I was just wondering, how important do you think that dynamic is to have a an editor that you can trust? Because obviously, you know, and this is just from watching the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Terrence Young had what seemed to me a complete trust. Oh yeah, and he filmed it, and I he think... would just hand it off to Peter Hunt and yeah. say, "Do what you need to do." That, that's what I, was just, I think. And do you ev- think that everybody, Peter Hunt maybe on *A heart of Her Majesty's* as an editor at heart didn't have that same trust to say, "I need a second pair of eyes on this"?
1: Maybe that's. I think that's a good. That's a good point. Is, uh, I think everybody had a blind trust in a good way for Peter Hunt. Everybody knew he was going to put. He was on the cutting edge. He was going to do everything. Uh. It was going to be a solid product when Peter Hunt right. touched it, and then maybe when he became director, maybe he—I don't know. You know, sometimes when when someone gets promoted from a field, you know, and they they maybe try to get too heavy into what they used to do, uh-huh. you know, they can tarnish it into some. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. That that's a different, like you said, different conversation.
0: But, um, yeah, I I so, I, I think, Her Majesty's is edited by John Glenn. Oh, well, that, that's very interesting. Who also then becomes the director, director of the later films? Yeah, films such to... as that I have All a very the strong Roger opinion Moore. on. For your eyes only. He does direct the Living Daylights, Octopussy. He does direct License to Kill. Yeah, he's got a great run.
1: He's got a he great is... run in the uh, Roger Moore and Dalton era.
0: Interesting. What do you, What do you think of the acting in the film? What do you think of the... Uh, what do you think of Kieran Bay? Kieran Bay is, hands down, one of my favorite sidekicks of all time and the I, entire I series. Yep. And I didn't realize... I knew he was sick, just being a fan of this film. Um, the actor, I didn't realize... Dude, he he was dying Yeah. on this film. He had something like five kids and a family... So like he really like this film he was he was setting them up with he was going to take all the funds mm-hmm. and they moved all his scenes up front and literally like he films this part and then he passed away he was what was it stomach cancer something something one of those rough nasty. ones yeah. That, yeah yeah and there were it's plenty plenty of scenes crazy like what a professional like, and no way you are looking at this film you are like dude this guy is not bringing it
1: yeah yeah and there's plenty of scenes. Knowing that detail, when you go back and watch it, like the one that sticks out to me the most is the the gypsy scene. When they get to the uh the gypsy camp, that is clearly not uh I think it's Pedro Armand Armendez or uh I'm butchering his Armin name. Right Armand Oh uh, yeah. But uh Kieran Bay's character is not walking out of that car. He there's no walking scene with Kieran Bay at that mm-hmm. point. But uh yeah, I mean he is by far one of the best sidekicks uh, when I think about sidekicks, I, I think about Kieran Bay, and I think about uh, um the guy from Octopussy. Drawing a blank, but anyways, he's one of the one of the best um you know top three sidekicks of all time in the in the Bond film. And then I think like characters like uh, Bernard Lee M, you know, this is one of the one maybe not the pinnacle but he's pretty damn close to being like the best there's so many almost best if not the best performances you're like, talking about VJ from Optimacy. yeah VJ. thank you yep. yeah VJ. VJ and and Kieran Bay are probably my two and, you know Jeffrey Wright Jeffrey Wright and Casino Royale well,
0: Felix Leiter is a whole different category yeah, he's not yeah. a psychic that's a whole that, different good
1: point good point so but when you but you look at you look at um you know this is second film in you've got uh uh um Llewellyn playing Q in a very clean very I'm I'm armor I'm Q's role of showing you the the briefcase you know you got Pedro very clean I'm your contact in Istanbul very clean role you got Penny. you got you got M Bernard Lee Everybody is very clean and on point in this film and uh, more than probably any other film. And they set the tone, you know, not to beat that, that saying to death, but they really do set the tone for the rest of the franchise, at least for the next five films or so.
0: Yeah. I think the act, the acting in this film, like more so than, um, you know, even a film like Dr. No, where there was a lot of overdub, a lot of the characters weren't necessarily English first speakers Uh um, and, and there's an interaction between the characters like there's actual acting going on it's not somebody is reciting a line and then you're reciting your line and then they're moving forward like you mm-hmm. just you know a great scene is looking at um when james bond it, writes from russia with love on the picture that he gives back to um money penny. penny yeah he, they're they're not just reading lines together. Like, there's an actual, like, flirtation. They're actually speaking to each other. They're actually responding. Which, I mean, acting is, obviously, you're speaking lines not just at someone, but with someone. And there's supposed to be this level of trust to emotionally interact with what you're hearing back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that film, this film has that much more than, you know, to me, that's one of the drawbacks of the Roger Moore era. Um, I don't know that, I mean, for you want a complete opposite film, um, ironically enough, today was a Kentucky Derby. The day we're filming mm-hmm. is um, a view to a kill, where we know now that Roger Moore um, did not get along whatsoever um, with Mayday. You know, with so everybody every or anybody. <laughs> so they're just saying lines at each other. You know, yeah. they're not really acting together. They're just together. You know, script reading, and that to me adds to the believability of From Russia With Love allows the movie to go forward. It, as a viewer, you're invested in these characters. You know, there's some tension in the gypsy fight, even though, yes, we're watching a blockbuster film and no, you know, anybody who's born after 1962, 63, knows that James Bond doesn't die in this film. There's still some tension, you know, because we care about Kiram, we care about Bond, we care about their friendship, um, you know, so... Yeah, you know, when Kiram is lost in the, the the train toward the end of the film, like, we care as an audience. You know, mm-hmm. we it makes sense that James is, you know, flustered. Um, he was able to kind of get blindsided by Red. There's a reason he drops the ball uh, at that point um, with kind of vetting who exactly he's talking to. Like, he's emotionally distraught. Like, we are, too, as an audience, like, we buy into the idea of his vengeance Mm -hmm. Um, at that point yeah yeah. although now that we brought it up I mean probably we would bring it more in the B section but as great as this film is James Bond like sucked as a spy in this film (laughs) how many times was he like just kept alive or being spoon fed clues by Spectre I mean it's just like dude where's your head right now get in this mission (laughs)
1: Some you know sometimes you just you just need to be lucky. So uh, let's go let's go way back to the start of the film. Uh, what stands out to you most about the uh, movie titles of the film and the 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 title sequence?
0: So obviously a, a big departure from Doctor No. Yep. We actually have the the title sequence um, that kind of sets up. What is a James Bond um, title sequence? Here, the I wrote in my notes in all caps: "Game changer." That Why was my, is that? Well, because it sets to naked ladies. No, not the, necessarily the belly naked, dancing. It just sets up the what you come nature? to expect in every James Bond with a cold open. Oh, the, cold, not the cold open, open, open part. with the title sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you did ask me. Right? You said title sequence, not cold open, right? Well,
1: uh, yeah, I said title sequence. Okay, but, okay, okay. Uh, you know,
0: okay. Um, you know even for me,
1: w- historically, those are kind of blended together.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, did you want to talk about the the cold open? Is that what you were treat, really trying to ask? me? No, your- no. I was
1: kind of getting your getting your opinion of the title sequence itself, and I figure we can dive into more of the uh, op- the cold open and and be.
0: I mean, we could do it here. I mean, we're going to talk about more James Bond as a character, sure. And be okay. I'm open. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of out of order. That was my opinion on the title sequence. What do you think about this cold open, which I have ranked in the top five over here? I, I think I have it pretty high
1: too in the uh, the the cold open sequence. But it's it it's it's good. It, it is really good. Um, I've got some snarky comments about it, but uh, such
0: as <laughs>
1: the whole Grant kills the Bond knockoff, if you will, yep. in a yep. minute and fifty-two seconds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, couldn't he be like, "I got you"? I mean, they're like killing people in two minutes. Every two Dude, this minutes, is, this is Spectre,
0: man. Doesn't that set the tone for how bad like it just, just it just seems like a, a waste of life. Seems like Yeah, that's good, why uh, you're not in an evil villain organization. organization. That's why Spectre's not recruiting you.
1: I'm just saying it. It just seems like a it seems like pretty quick
0: it's, you don't get a good ROI on that life right there. I mean, you know, this is also an organization that in the last film Spectre, uh, when you do a job application, you fucking poke someone's eyes out and snap his neck to be like Hey, this other guy applying for the job, piece of shit. <laughs> Hire me. I'm still alive.
1: <laughs> yeah. In, anything. Uh, I. I. The. The one note that I have is. Um, I really appreciate the the level of makeup that they that they did with. Uh, we're
0: both yawning here. I mean, I, I think I saw you yawn. You know, when I you gotta, yawn, it's actually it's you're your brain. Oh yeah. It's a mechanism the body does to cool the brain.
1: Do you realize do you realize at what time we probably recorded when we did the, the, the standard review format of four year of for uh, Marshall of Love, what time we probably recorded that?
0: Super late. We were in Jacksonville, weren't we? Yeah,
1: it was like it was like one AM when we recorded that.
0: That sounds about right.
1: And we probably recorded it first at eleven PM. But then I, I that was one where our audio fucked up, wasn't it?
0: I don't think so. It wasn't that one. It had it had been uh, messed up in the past, but I I think we did it a first take in that living room of yours. Yeah, I
1: remember we worked all day, all day on the house here, and then we had dinner. We came back, drank some coffee. Yep, and then we recorded, and it was that was a long night. But I
0: don't know where I was going with that. You were you were saying the makeup? Um, and I oh yeah, the makeup that was. Because you, can you believe t- it's a, it, it, it's it looks like a mask. Sean Connery, but it's like something's wrong. Something's been off. Yeah, you know the the way they hollowed out his eyes and everything. Yeah, yeah,
1: they put a lo- they put a little powder and a little little shine on there and, and make it look like he's wearing a mask. So yeah, I, I, I appreciated that level
0: of detail. You know what's crazy? Um, I think we've been recording for like an hour and we're only in the A section. Yeah, we should probably move on. You ready? to Move on. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's move on. I'm art. <laughs> This guy over here is Scott. Hey, I'm Scott. How you doing? With bonding over bond, we're going to be right back.
2: Next, join Scott and Art with 007. Segment B: Bond, James Bond.
1: That is probably easily in the top five, if not the top three, uh, soundtracks. I don't know if the, I don't know what the right word is. It's the the top tracks of the James Bond se- James Bond series. I yeah, love you that. like. I love You like
0: it. this one and the the one from Honor Majesty,
1: don't you? I, I like I like the big band atmosphere of James Bond. I love yeah. horns, supporting percussion, and I think that's an important point because the thing about Spectre was it was heavy, heavy, heavy percussion. But I like I like the horns. I like the the mid-century music supported by percussion. Inspector was very heavy percussion. I thought it was it was lacking the the big band, the it, you know, just the ambiance of these earlier films. I think
0: that Right. Okay. I love that. I love that part of the earlier film to James Bond. That John Barry touch. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, this is the B section uh B for Bond, James Bond. So kind of stepping back from the film, we're really going to deep dive into Bond in, in this film, this film within the Bond series. So, you know, both a a look into the character aspect and the overarching series aspect. Uh, so that a the A part, different from the A part, uh, for those of you new to the for, um, for Your Eyes Only section, the A part kind of sits right there just looking at the movie um as as a whole. So right now we kinda want to look then at that, you know, what what's the flying altitude of a plane to our resident aviation expert? Cruise altitude. <clears throat> yeah.
1: Thirty five thousand feet. You know yeah so
0: we're gonna take that thirty five thousand feet kind of overview. So Scott, you know we've obviously done um our our running rankings We've looked at all 24 films. Where do you see, not just as a ranking perspective, but where do you see From Russia With Love in the series?
1: Uh, Top tier film, top five easily.
0: So if there's a Mount Rushmore, you're saying that From Russia makes the Mount Rushmore of James Bond films? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think we can agree.
1: Yeah. I I think... specifically i had it at four but as we've discussed in the past any given sunday i could raise this you know wherever wherever i see fit
0: right okay yeah i said that and and i've said this before and i'm sure I'll, i'll repeat myself that from russia with love it sets what a james bond film is different from thunderball you know i'll continue to Almost as a self-mocking, but I do believe that Thunderball is the quintessential James Bond film, but from Russia, sets the tone for what a James Bond film should be and will be. No, I absolutely agree. Yep. So looking at this film, um, is there anything that you would change in your rankings? Just very briefly. And for those of uh, for those of you that may be new to our podcast, uh, we first did a review series in which we reviewed all twenty four films and we ranked each one. And as we would do a new review, we would you know modify the rankings. So if you check out the uh, web page that we do have, you can see that full list of running rankings for uh, several categories: overall movie, the car, the song, uh, the opening, uh, which includes the cold open and title sequence. And then villain, and of course we ranked um, all of the James Bonds.
1: So, I'm actually going to read you exactly what my notes say because I think it hits on the it hits on the head exactly how I feel about this film. Okay. All right. Right. So here we go. For me, "For Rush with Love" lacks a level of fantasy. Yep. It is really just a great spy film. We went from mm. motorized dragging, dragons and toppling rockets using atomic energy to stealing a real-world encryption machine. No shit, espionage stuff. Then in Goldfinger, we, we go back to a crotch-cutting laser beams, nerve gas, and atomic bombs on Fort Knox. The pendulum keeps swinging back and forth. Perhaps Goldfinger was too much. This okay. feels a little off-center as well. Perhaps Thunderball finds finds the center, but the underwater battle scene moves too far to one side as well, fantasy side. So that's how I feel. It's I don't know if we ever hit true center, honestly.
0: You know, I was I was literally just thinking because I'm looking at my running rankings as you're as you're giving that thesis statement <laughs> of, uh, of a James Bond perspective. Uh-huh. So I have ranked number one from Russia. I have Thunderball three. I have Goldfinger four. At number two is Skyfall. And, and my question, do you think Skyfall? Because there's definitely some fantasy bullshit. You know, your definition of fantasy, not yep. the Webster's definition of fantasy. Fantasy as applied. Ooh, sorry about that, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit my mic here. Fantasy as applied to James Bond. D- possibly. Do you think Skyfall is threading that needle between, you know, you've got this origin story. You've got some true stuff going on. But yet you also have this supervillain who may or may not be a bit over the top as a character. But he's rooted in some very real um, tie-ins with a character as developed by his relation with M.
1: You know, at the moment, I really find your top four very intriguing because I think it's very on point. It's hard to argue with your top four because... I think there's a, I think you have a love. There, there's an emotion to your From Russia with Love, but I, I really think to your point, Skyfall does have some fantasy points that are still very on point and very From Russia with Love, From Russia with Love. e they're not the pendulum is not that far. It's a very centered movie. Um. So yeah, I, I think, I think From Russia with Love is a good balancing point. I mean, excuse me, Skyfall, Skyfall, Skyfall. is a very balancing point. Uh, you got the crazy I,
0: I still can't get over fans and I can't get over fans who just hate skyfall it makes no sense to me because
1: it is such a solid film it's one of those films that you could take a you could take a movie like Skyfall you could take a movie like from Rush with Love take away the entire uh ambiance the entire uh realm, the entire background of James Bond and those two movies was standalone on their own. I think I can say that I'm, I'm taking a pause cause I'm, I'm wondering if I could do Skyfall without a backstory, but they're just solid films. They're just well, yeah. com- complete films. Sure. You may need to, you may need to tweak something here and there, but they're just really, really, really good films all all around. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's some definitely some aspects of uh, Skyfall that are uh, above from, from, from Russia with Love. But.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And so for me, I really don't change anything. I think everything that from Russia – and we talked about this. Ironically, if you look at my rankings outside of movie, um, from Russia doesn't rank overall very high. See, on anything. The car is actually crap.
1: I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off. Can, yeah.
0: can we go real quick? You're
1: from Russia, Skyfall, Goldfinger, and Thunderball?
0: No, from Russia, so from Russia, you're talking about overall? Yeah, your overall. Yeah, my overall is uh, from Russia, Skyfall, Thunderball, Thunderball Goldfinger, Goldfinger, <laughs> and then top five is Casino Royale for me. When did I think Spectre was the top five film? That's what
1: I got I to gotta question that. I think your top five is very solid. I appreciate that. Thank you. At this I... moment in time, no emotion. The, the emotion is, is, has dwindled away at this point. I think your top five is very
0: solid. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we have some listeners who just think it's a garbage top five. But, you know, that's why we have this podcast. We all have our opinions and we enjoy we believe here at Bonding Over Bond, you can have different opinions and still be reasonable people that have a conversation. You're wrong, but <laughs> but we're still doing a podcast. That's right. Yeah, we're still bonding. That's the whole thing here. So, wait, um, I-, I love people's. I love top fives in general. I love top five lists. I love um, you know talking to different Bond fans, and you know it's every time you meet another big Bond fan, I always think. You kind of have to do that exchange of, all right, what's your top film? Who's your top Bond? And you instantly, just by answering those two questions, you're like, okay, I know. I, I know a lot about how you're coming to this series. And I kind of know some some little things about you as a person, mm-hmm. even. You know, getting getting that, even, you know, expanding it. And we thought long and hard about these rankings, but that's a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was saying that From Russia really doesn't rank high and any of the categories we self-defined when we did our running rankings. Uh, Looking at the car, the Bentley, to me, it's a beautiful car. And it it stays true to the novel that it brings in. um, The Bentley that uh, James Bond traditionally drove around in the novels. Uh, The song, to me, not also that high. There's some great songs in this series from Russia with Love is not one of those. Um, The opening of the film does rank high for me. It ranks number three uh the villain um, does rank high for me it's number 4 and obviously Sean Connery is my number 1 James Bond of all time so i'm
1: I'm trying to figure out I think overall
0: what i'm trying to say is you know sometimes these these some of the parts um actually that would be incorrect this time the whole is greater than the sum of the parts <laughs> <laughs> Uh, talking about the villain, cause you, you are we there yet? We're not there yet. We're not. You let's try to let. We've been everywhere, but let's let's try to stay somewhere in the conversation per our notes. Uh huh. Let's build up to the villain. So you want? Let's talk about James. You want to for talk about Bond for a minute? I, I do want to talk about Bond. Okay, so this is a good Bond. He's a good Bond. Was this? You think,
1: Connery's best Bond?
0: Uh, That's my
1: only note
0: on this entire section so uh think about it long and hard of uh, so let's okay i don't have an answer for you but let's come to one together I think, let's work uh, this out i think the answer may be yes let's work this out with our listeners mm-hmm. um is it his worst absolutely let's not. work through it that oh, way that's easy so no d- diamonds
1: or you only live twice I, I i'm not a big fan of you only live, you only live twice at all so yeah so, no, um, the answer is no. He's not his worst. Is so it his we have best? have six
0: performances. There's two. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I'm going to put Dr. No. I'm going backwards here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to me, now we've dwindled it down. It's a conversation of from Russia, Golds, and Thunderball. Thunder. Yep. Okay. So, best performance: James Bond, Sean Connery as James Bond. So. Let me let me look at this. Let me look at this. I'm already gonna waltz. Well, I'll use oh. I'll use the the Pierce Brosnan Pierce Brosnan um, model. At what film is he the most confident and comfortable? So no, I can say that this is not his best performance yeah, as James Bond. I agree. Because Thunderbolt is gonna be my answer for when Sean Connery is just bawling, just oozing, fucking charisma confidence machismo is he better in goldfinger Are
1: goldfinger um, and thunderball pretty darn close
0: i'm i'm thinking goldfinger give me a second here i'm thinking goldfinger just from like maybe you know i haven't, I haven't seen goldfinger i haven't seen it in so long either since we did our review podcast yeah. over, well over a year ago is this Well, I you, now you're making this more difficult. Your original fuck you. Your original question was is this his best performance? And I answered your question thoroughly. No. Thunderbolt is. I'm not prepared to analyze Goldfinger as compared to from Russia or Goldfinger as compared to thunderball i'll answer that question when we do goldfinger yeah so you is that fair
1: yeah that's fair you're confident to say that it is not his it is not the best portrayal it is not connery's best portrayal of james bond but you're not prepared to say what his best portrayal of of bond is by james by by sean connery so yeah that's no
0: i'm confident to say that thunderball is his best oh i'm not prepared to analyze goldfinger against from russia or Goldfinger even against Thunderball? Because you said, is it close? And I'm not, I, it, because it could be a close one-two or it could be a gap one-two. I'm not prepared to answer that. I'm confident that Thunderball is one. Does that make sense? I don't know if, it,
1: it definitely, it. the answer is from Russia with love is not Connery's best version of Bond. I'm confident Correct. in that. Okay. I'm confident in that. Okay. So, how do you feel about the? Are you ready to go to the villains?
0: Um, I well, I want to add to that. Uh-huh. I although it's not as strong as James Bond, it's still a very strong performance. And this is where I'll concede some ground because you like to note that From Russia with Love is not necessarily a typical Bond film, or at least that was an early criticism that you've had of this film. Correct. I would say that this performance, although not the strongest Bond performance, it's still a great performance as James Bond, a character. Does that make sense? Does that distinction... Am I, am I articulating my point as you're eating a, a nacho chip? Thank you for muting it. That's very rare for you in this series. <laughs> is to not hear Scott eating food. There we go. Yep. No, I think that's fair. Yeah, okay. he's a good
1: Bond. He's a good Bond. Uh, it's not the best Bond yeah I mean that's fair I'm gonna go and I I'm gonna meet myself say, again and
0: I, yep and I would also say that to your point uh, of this film being slightly different when we look at James Bond again self-describe the debauchery the traits that make James Bond quote James Bond that we expect um, this version the from Russia version he's really not necessarily that, you know, he's not really drinking that much. Um, he's not killing anybody. He's not and not in cold blood, you know, not that James does, um, but he does kill as a job, not necessarily with emotion. Whereas in this film, he's killing with emotion, like revenge for Kiram, you know, when he's fighting on the train. So yeah. it's different. So I, I will say that, the stereotypical, the debauchery that we we defined, mm-hmm. James. He doesn't have those traits in this film. No, no, I, I'd
1: agree with that. Yeah, he he's definitely, uh, um, yeah, he's just a little more uh, uh, calculated, uh, more just just generally spy, just generally spy and uh, and and doing his thing. Right.
0: Uh, okay. So. You know, since you've brought it up five times,
1: <laughs> did the villains challenge James Bond?
0: You know, I'm not really to talk about the vi- No, I'm just- <laughs> I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" We're not talking. Uh, yeah, I. I mean, I. I've shared this before, and, and you know this. I love the villains in this film, hands down. Big fan. So here's here's my thing,
1: <clears throat> and I. If you consider Grant is the villain, absolutely, he challenged James Bond.
0: He best James Bond.
1: For a hot minute.
0: For most of the film.
1: Yeah, okay. But I really think the villain in this film is Spectre. And yeah, in and that I like- case, Spectre did not... It. W- if you view Specter as the villain of the film, it's a little more balanced compared to if Grant is the villain of the film. There are there are a lot of moments where Grant best Bond. It's a little more balanced if you view Specter as Bond as the villain. I don't even know what I just said there. I really don't. But I I think I think really I'm real, I'm willing to get get over the fact that Grant is not the villain of this film. Are you are, can you
0: accept that? So when when
1: Specter is the villain of this film.
0: So when I would do the running when I would do the running rankings and I would do the villain, I would identify a villain or I would write a villain with a plus sign. Uh-huh. Or I would write two names. So for example, in the movie Thunderbolt, I wrote Largo plus. And from Russia with love, I wrote Grant Plus. That's fair. The Man with the Golden Gun, I just wrote Scaramanga. Francisco Scaramanga. <laughs> like, you gonna leave me hanging there, really? Uh, Golden Eye, I wrote Alec and General um, Orlov. Mm-hmm. So two names. So this one, I I give you that Spectre. You know, you have a number of people involved with this, but to me, it's definitely Grant Plus. Grant is the main guy interacting with Bond and providing the foil to James Bond in this film. And Spectre is aiding in that. That's a big plus, though. Yeah, and and okay, that's fine. I'm. Um, what's your point? My point is
1: Grant is the physical villain, but Klebs. You okay? Shall I continue?
0: I don't know what this is going to sound like till I edit it, but uh, <laughs> I almost just ruined so many things. I got a, just a cord, just too many wires everywhere.
1: Yeah, you need to go wireless. My my okay, sorry my, about my that, point man. is my point is Grant symbolizes embodies the physical villain of the film for 90% of it. You can say Rosa Klebs is the physical villain for 10% at the end where she's doing her shoe knife shit at the end, you know. But really, Specter is the villain of this film. So when I said it's a it's it's a Donald Red Grant plus. It's a, and I said it's a big plus. It's a big plus because you have Rosa Klebs you have Kronstein, you have Blofeld, and in some ways you have um. Uh, what what the hell's her name? the the friggin the Natalia N- Natalia, you know she she's a part of the the villain to some ex- she's a, she's a part of the bad guys as well to some extent. Um, not Natalia. Jesus, what's her name? Tiffany? What what the hell's the, what's the name of the woman in this film?
0: Tiffany, that's Diamonds Are Forever. Tatiana,
1: Tatiana, thank you.
0: Scott, have you been drinking more than I thought
1: you have? Yeah, probably. Okay, uh, that's cool. Tanya, Tanya, yeah, Tanya, yeah, Tatiana, Tatiana, but she goes by Tanya. Yeah, yeah, you know she she has been a you know she is a part of the villain. She is a villain in the film to some extent in the beginning. As is well. she
0: though? Because she's not aware. She's not aware of what she's doing. She knows. She's very aware of what she's doing. She she was aware at the beginning. She's aiding her country. To try to get back the lector, and then she genuinely does betray her country. Hard. Yeah, so she
1: there's a level of of villainy in her in her character.
0: At any point, though, did you view or feel that Tatiana, even when she, she, she felt heard that she was aiding Russia, no, she did you ever bug. feel that she was going to get the, the lector?
1: Uh, no, I never worried about her
0: at all. No. At all? Where were we at? What do you think, Britain? Do you think Britain actually allowed her to have a life? I mean, she she definitely betrayed her country. She aided a, a foreign power and receiving a decoding machine. I'm assuming, like when you when you betray your country and you aid someone, I I think they give you refuge. I'm assuming they executed her at uh, Buckingham Palace. <laughs> Do you think she's living somewhere, like in some sh- shack in the middle of fucking? Can we talk about something seriously for a second? That's not serious. What Britain will do to? Do you realize this film, a, a foreign national, that I was watching
1: the gypsy scene earlier, and I was like, these are pretty, pretty attractive-looking women fighting in this film. Okay. Yeah,
0: they're, they're this like, battle scene. This
1: this scene happened fifty-four
0: years ago. Okay. You ever get, so these women are in their seventies. Yeah, isn't that creepy? That's kind of creepy. What's a creep? Like they're not fighting now. In, I know, uh, seventy year old. But, but you're but,
1: like, hey, look at these, look at these, you know, look at these attractive women. You know, fighting in the scene, and it's like I'm sure they would be flattered 54 if years ago these women were fighting
0: in the scene. Yeah, we'll be lucky if we hit fifty-four years of life. I mean, I don't know what kind of health. <laughs> You know how you're taking care of yourself. But... I mean,
1: I hope we live longer than that. But 54 years is beyond our life, our current existence.
0: Yeah, it's older than we are now. Yeah, But we have not lived 54 years on this planet. That's I what get I'm that. saying. Yeah, it, that's the life inspe- expectancy of a NFL lineman. Really? Yeah. They get hit in the head so much. That's sad. that's sad. It is. Go Dolphins. We have digressed. We have. Because I was asking you a legitimate question. Do you, I've when I was a kid, I got I was always really frustrated because this was my favorite film. I watched it so many times that they never like even as an aside brought up Tatiana. Like she falls for James Bond, horde, and somebody in MI6 had to take her into another room. They had to be like, "Thanks for your service. You're never going back to Russia. You're never seeing anybody you ever knew again." We're going to put you in some shit little shack in the middle of bumfuck nowhere England. And oh, by the way, you're never, don't even say James Bond. Don't even utter this. You're never fucking seeing him again, ever. You're on mute. This, this whole thing reminds me of the whole situation
1: of, I bet you think strippers like you too. You know, it's just like, <laughs> do you really think James loved you? Just like that stripper, you know, like oh yeah, she likes me. Yep, yeah, bullshit. I mean, come on. There's there's a there's a bottom line here, you know, like they're so doing their I'll, job. I'll,
0: I'll say this. I'll say this. I once read a really interesting um, article, <clears throat> or excuse me, quote by Al Pacino, who talked about he's so he's a method actor. He just completely dives into every character he plays, and it was specific about Scarface. They were talking about his relationship with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. And he said that every time he does a film, that and there's a, f- a female lead involved, that a piece of him does fall in love with that actress because he's he's pouring his heart out, he's getting the same thing back from them, and then he says the film's over, and then he moves on. So he he did two films with Michelle, and it was, I think it was when uh, they were doing Frank King and Johnny, and they were acting again, and that's where this interview came about. And he said like that came back again mm-hmm. because he was acting with her again and all those emotions yet, And he was able to separate the two that he knew that Al Pacino was not in love with Michelle Pfeiffer, but a piece of him as Scarface and as Frankie was in fact in love with Michelle Pfeiffer as an actress, as the character coming back in him. So to say that James Bond was like a piece of him was not in love with all of these women at some point not necessarily every bond girl, but I do think there are films in this series where he did have a legitimate emotional reaction to some of these women and then he's on to the next mission and if he ever saw them again, I think he might say like hey I remember that i that's yes that in that time in that mission I had those were genuine feelings and then but James being James he's like next yeah." And mission's over. I'm I'm I compartmentalize it. I put it in a box. I've moved on. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, remember that night we had?
1: That was good times.
0: All right. Yeah. You
1: know, I got to I got to work. That tomorrow. would
0: have been so great. You know, we talked about this with with the the Moore era where they have a lot of reoccurring characters and they just never quite were able to get um any of the Bond girls. They they wanted um Barbara Bach to come back for was it uh, you for your eyes only. Yeah. After, after her back. Yeah. That would have been um, good. Yeah, that would have. And so anything. Well, so that's I a fair was point. Saying, like when we, when I was a kid, I was always frustrated. Like, man, like not even a throwaway line. Like, oh, like Tatiana's happier. Or, like, like we set her up or something. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Tatiana. Like,
1: uh, I remember her. Pussy, her? Pussy Pussy yeah. galore, um galore. Um, Sylvia Trench. Nothing. They're just like. So, yes, Goes so from memory. Yes.
0: Past. Yeah. I, I, you know, she was supposed to be in, what was it, four films? And then she was supposed to roll over and be one of the Bond girls? Yeah. That would have been nice. I'm
1: still so, I'm so holding hope that we, we see her name again. We hear her name again.
0: That'd be interesting. It would be. It would be. But to no avail. Yeah. So, from, from Russia with Love, we talked a lot about what this film, how it sets up um James Bond as a series is there anything from this film when you know we are telling non fans and we're talking about James that you can point back to in the film arc of James Bond that from Russia was the origin like yes we know this because of James uh, from that film um or this film is what sets up this piece of James Bond as a character is there really anything that sticks out to you that this film kind of is that point? I'll say the the origin of gadgets
1: okay I mean we talk about armor existed in Doctor No but Q Branch really comes to fruition in the gadgetry of Q Branch with a briefcase so that is that is one mm-hmm. it's, it's it starts it all uh, you know so is there anything else you think of?
0: the to me the other big thing it sets is the um trifecta of bond allies and MI6 uh, qm uh, money penny other than that
1: yeah i mean nope. it, that's that's definitely like the first time we see q branch doing anything useful um and you know money penny I guess I don't know like Money Penny is really doing
0: that critical of a task, but she's definitely very. Uh, she's definitely a character that has that that interacts with James very strongly. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And then uh, M, you know, that's definitely very continues the continues the tone from Doctor No, like mm-hmm. Bernard Lee is very strong. And honestly, Bernard Bernard Lee was strong the, through his oh, entire. Oh, you know what they you know what
0: they do have is mm-hmm. one they established that um, M and Bond have a long standing relationship, and they have that throwaway comment uh, James and M in Tokyo.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. That that's that's a good point where uh, where he shoes penny out of the room, right. And, and then, like when they start the the recording again, they don't actually go into that role that that uh, and they don't finish that conversation, right? But uh, yeah, I, that was that was a story that you anybody that's interested in James Bond would have liked to know the rest of the story. You know mm-hmm.
0: what happened that time in Tokyo
1: with, Anne? yeah,
0: okay. Uh, so when people think of From Russia with Love. Do you think it's fair to say that the number one sequence that is probably spoken about or referenced or people talk about is going to be the train sequence? I I think like we said before
1: we started recording there's there's two things. Probably number one is the train sequence. Mhm. And number two is the opening sequence with the this is the true First film that we have a cold open, um, not necessarily directly relating to the film, even though this one really does kind of directly relate
0: to the film. But so I, I think one of the great things about Spectre is possible or Spectre. One of the great things about From Russia, um, more so than maybe any other Bond film, is the number of scenes that, like, if you're doing a montage of James Bond films that you can pull from single-handedly this film. Um, So obviously the train sequence is historic in the Bond series. I think the chess sequence is pretty popular. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it will make a highlight reel, uh, but it's up there in this film. The gypsy fight, um, Blofeld and the cat, that makes a highlight reel. Mm -hmm. And then the sequence where... 007 is going to the hotel and checking to see what's bugged. I think that makes the highlight real yeah. as well.
1: Yeah. And I, I think you brought some very interesting points about the last the last point you brought up about James Bond investigating his hotel room.
0: Did you want to dive into that a little bit more? Yeah. So I said if, if there's a scene that not only is – that transcends just the series but really – impacts pop culture if you think about like every spy film every spy film if there's a scene where the character has to go in and check a room to make sure like no one's spying on them you cannot top the beats of that scene where james goes in and he's checking behind the pictures he's unscrewing the he's checking the chandeliers um i don't know what you're signing at me right now (laughs) I have it I have it queued up. Okay, yeah, well, well um so one of before we get started there um one of the things we thought about doing in the podcast is actually analyzing a scene. Mm-hmm. And so with, you know, the ability of technology and our confidence in this being a review of the James Bond series and our comfortableness after 50s have we reached 50 podcasts and we're up there we're isn't up that crazy in the 40s yeah how fucking awesome is that i'm sorry i'm sorry
1: even if it's only you and i and maybe a handful of people i'm so proud of that i really am you should be man that's like and and what does heather always tell me like if you're uh content clarity continuation there's something there's three c's for if you're if you're creating content and we've definitely consistency we have failed on the consistency this year but I'm just so
0: proud of the content we've put out there so am I so one of the things we talked about and again so the reason we're at this point is um, what we're gonna actually do is watch a scene together yep and it's gonna be the hotel scene and so if you're a bond fan, let me go back here a little bit. Uh,
1: sounds like you're slapping a PlayStation remote right there. I am slapping a PlayStation remote. I am so, at
0: James getting in
1: the elevator. What's so like, I'm
0: at the I'm at the elevator. Well, i looks I'm like at, a,
1: a little boy's jacket because his.
0: I'm at 29 seconds or 29 minutes and 24 seconds.
1: I'm at 29 minutes and 20 seconds. So if if okay, you so wait, so four seconds. I'm going to just hit play. You ready? And in four seconds, you start play. Okay. All right. Hitting play in three, two, one, now.
0: Walking into the room. Yep. Okay. All right. So go ahead and pause real quick, Scott. Uh, Okay. Uh,
1: Hold on, hold on. And
0: three. Two, one, pause. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and watch this scene together. Uh-huh. You're going to be able to barely hear it in the background for our listeners. Obviously, this is a podcast, but if you're not in the car, if you're somewhere where you can queue up the movie, you know we're approximately 29 minutes, 38 seconds in the film. You can go ahead. We're going to watch this film and just give some feedback on kind of why this film to or why this scene kind of transcends the film. And we're hoping to kind of make this – a kind of a fixture yeah. of the four-year-eyes-only part where we take one scene, we kind of watch it together, and it's going to be a scene that, in our opinion, kind of transcends um, that film and, and kind of places itself in a, uh, either pop culture importance or just the importance in the series. Now, obviously, I know a lot of our listeners are saying, hey, you guys have tweeted about it, talked about the chess scene a lot. We're going to do this for um, a odd job where we'll actually look at the chess scene We agreed, Scott and I, that the chess scene was probably going to be a bit too nerdy. So if you (laughs) are into that, you can pull up an odd job. One of the reasons we have the odd jobs is so we can kind of talk about these one-off topics that maybe not everyone to listen to. uh, But it's super specific. So the chess scene is going to be an odd job. Um, We didn't pick the train sequence. The train sequence is technically 30 minutes long. And we felt that everyone talks about the train sequence. So we picked this scene, and if you have a problem with that, tweet at us, and maybe we'll just do another scene if everyone is against the scene that we picked. But who knows? But I think it's
1: good. I, I yeah yeah I I I think the, the things you pointed out. Every every spy film does this nowadays, you know, and 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 here we are with James Bond walking into the hotel room. He's wearing a classic gray suit with the uh, baby blue. Uh, shirt, pocket square, navy tie. You got the nice old school vanity in the background there. I mean, this is just a classic scene. You got the great soundtrack, the James Bond soundtrack in the background. Yeah, I mean, uh, I like this idea. So let me know. Let me know when you're ready to go.
0: So for those of you, so Scott was just bringing up the clothes that James is wearing. While I would fancy myself a uh, forward thinking fellow, I, I care about what I'm wearing. I don't necessarily know the ins and outs and the history of suits and and why we're at things. For those of our listeners that do like this topic, I'm going to go out and tell you right now, if you have Twitter, check out Suits of James Bond. Mm. Um, They have a wonderful blog. It's just top-notch stuff, some good information. And we're not going to pretend to give you some detailed, deep knowledge on the – Number of buttons in this suit and how that historically fits into 1964, but that blog definitely will. Um, so, with no further ado, Scott, you want to watch a scene together? Yes. All right. So I'm pressing play in three, two, one, play. Would there be anything else? Sir?
2: Well only this.
0: Oh.
1: Thank you. I think we we cut it at the worst time where we missed the <clears throat> of the porter.
0: I got the. Um, so he's opening the door to the bathroom. Yeah. So uh, obviously, you had mentioned earlier, earlier we are talking about this film, uh, that it's a, just a different era where the porter, you know, you really don't experience that with uh, hotels. And he's expecting that tip, just yeah. clears his throat a little bit. Yeah. And now James is going around, so he peeks into the bathroom. He pulls the one um, picture out, he pulls the second, just going around. Hey, who thinks about looking into an effing clock? James does. And here, just the soundtrack right now perfect yes so he peeks behind uh, the the frame on the far side of the wall near the the bed hey they're spying on him
1: Uh, there's a bug clearly a bug and he looks up in the chandelier
0: so as we talked about the theme song or the uh, excuse me the soundtrack here it's not for no reason uh huh so it It, added to the tension it drops off
1: and then he grabs his bug detector grabs the phone Seizes the bug
0: so the sound drops off you know you have the tension of the moment Bond, can yeah. clearly hear yeah. the meter going yeah. and I, oh, I drops we the phone like a baller her, yeah perfect example of how the soundtrack it just adds to the film it knew when to step out yeah he's requested a different room the bridal suite. here though without him knowing he gets sent to the bridal suite I may like it later on in the film we will discover that they had set the him up for this. They him. wanted him if he was going to pick me. another room, it was going to be the Bartle suite. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's where they, they're able to film what's a pretty like crazy scene to think about in 1963. The fact that they're recording two people having sex. And in fact, when they recorded that, fil- that scene, they actually had to cut it short enough um, so that they could get clearance to... To film it, yep, and uh, Scott flashing the international symbol of
1: intercourse, here,
0: yeah. All right, so I mean, that was fairly, fairly a quick scene to to watch. Um, I don't know, hopefully, you know, it comes, it comes across all right when we edit it down, yeah. I'm curious, and, uh, to say- our listeners are able to, you know, kind of follow along, I even mean, if they're listening. You know our excitement and why we think the scene is kind of a big deal. Like I said, just the beats of you know coming in, looking around, checking, checking, checking. Oh, here's the thing I'm looking for. Let me react to it. Yeah, you can't write a better scene for the the situation where a spy is going into a room that may or may not be bugged.
1: And I I think if you don't have the ability to have the the movie queued up at the time, if you've watched the film, you know once or twice. At least a couple times, you know exactly what we're talking about, so you can right. listen to us, observe the film, and make comments. You know, com- you make a a commentary of the film. You know, and and totally respect where we're coming from. I think from it, so yeah, it was just a different era, and we, didn't, you know, you think about it. I'm going to go tangent for about thirty seconds. So Is like a porter. Hmm. I wonder how many times like a porter took. A bag, someone's room, and got a fiver. Got a Lincoln on their pocket. You know, like could you? You could live on that wage. And you know, it was just a different time, right? Like I wonder, like a porter was a respectable
0: job. Probably never was. <laughs> it was probably. I mean, I. I, I think you know. A, I mean, a concierge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At a, at a, that's I a, mean, there's. I that's think that's statement. different. Yeah, yeah. A concierge, at, especially a high end, uh, a hotel. I think to this day. There's some importance because, you know, for high end business travelers, high end, just wealthy people, you, the concierge is the person who allows you to have that comfort away from home. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're your link in the city to hey, I want this, I need that. Yeah, we got you. That yeah, customer uh, service. That
1: they're hospitality. It's a straight exactly. hospitality. Yeah, you don't have to be. You don't have to be a multi-millionaire to understand what hospitality is like. I'm just a lowly Hilton member, but, like, when Hilton gives me a water bottle and a cookie and then sends me a message like, I hope your check-in was good, that's hospitality. Like, yeah. you're treating me like I'm a multimillionaire, but I'm not,
0: obviously. you know. I don't know if water and a cookie is um, the multimillionaire treatment <laughs> that Hilton gives out.
1: No, but, I mean, my recent stay, I, I recently stayed in uh, London, Ontario, in Canada, and that was one of the best hilton experiences i've ever had
0: for full disclosure hilton this is, the is point. not a sponsor this like we're, this
1: I this is where go. and uh hilton if you're next time you're in london ontario stop at the hilton downtown uh whatever uh, Doubletree, hilton no i mean but it was just like one of those moments where like it, the hospitality was spectacular right right um, and that's what i think what the old school porter the old school concierge is it's like you're treated like royalty even though you're just like a you know run-of-the-mill Joe Schmo, sort of right speed. right okay
0: cool so you want to get to a point where we move on to a new section
1: yeah I think so you ready yeah
0: I'm Scott with uh,
1: art and we'll be back right after this
2: Finally, we bond over James Bond and random nonsense. And trust me, it's always random and always nonsense. In segment C we get to bonding over Bond.
0: So this is bonding over Bond. Welcome back. This is our home stretch here, our final section, the Almost C there. block where we in fact bond over James Bond. So kind of talk about our life, just bond in life, step away from the film a bit, and just, you know, hang out. This is the uh, the, the part of the podcast where you would pull up a nice fireplace, <laughs> pour yourself two fingers of bourbon, sit down and sounds a good light a idea. cigar with us, and just yeah. hang out. Yeah. That sounds actually really good. Yeah. All right, I'll be back in a little
1: bit. Okay. I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> so, uh... Is there any story you want to tell that revolves around From Rush With Love? I mean, you know, so, this is your favorite film. You've, my favorite you've film. No, mentioned it multiple times. Yeah. Is there anything that sparks a memory? I know we talked about JFK. I
0: mean, what makes you love this film so much? So, so besides all the reasons we've already mentioned, the producer, uh, the director, not the producer, the director, the editor, the actor, the plot, everything, um, I found out very early on that not only is this film a favorite of mine, it's a favorite of my godfather's. So that adds like this personal touch to it. From Russia With Love is the first film that, with my own money, and by my own money I obviously mean money that was given to me for doing silly chores or as a present, I decided to use to purchase a film and to date myself. That film was in the VHS format. And mm. I found out later that my godfather... Betamax. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> he did not have a copy of this film so I gave him my original copy that VHS copy of From Russia With Love nice yeah definitely you gave him a laser
1: disc uh, from Russia With Love
0: I only knew one kid growing up that their family bought the laser disc thing
1: yeah I think I knew I knew one family as well and it was like the obnoxious family yeah like it was like this is the next big thing coming down, the laser disc. And I was like, hey, that looks like a big record you got there.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, they weren't wrong. I mean, D- DVDs definitely were the next big thing. Yeah, I guess. And I guess a DVD is nothing more than a tiny laser disc, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah.
1: That's fair.
0: They just, uh, the wrong type. So, I mean, obviously, besides that, though, I mean, it's a film 1964, a, a tad bit before our time, so, you know, I really don't have any other personal tie-ins um, with From Russia with Love, and, and really, you know, I know both My dad was, was 14. Yeah, my dad was four. It's crazy. So, I mean, your dad was a, a teenager there, and that's a great time to be a teenager, which kind of mm. leads to my big point about, you know, looking at the time you know society when this film was being um, released so like to be 14 years old in 1964 like you're coming to age as america's having and obviously we're americans for a lot of our listeners who do listen to britain um our country was you know having this big civil rights movement leading to that so to be a 14 year old boy turning into a man um it's a pretty cool time to be reaching that age, uh, not so cool to be four, because you're really uh, missing, you know, all that transition. And then my dad, by the time he got to those teenage years, it's the 70s, so you know, a bit past it. Plus, my dad was an immigrant, so had a little bit of a different experience. And and because of that, um, you know, my dad then got into disco. So just uh, that that's a a whole nother conversation <laughs> just horrible music choices made by. People who were only four in 1964.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Just like a, the transition of that entire story. Somehow we got to disco. Just, just your dad somehow loves. Just he's four, and then he loves disco. Just
0: what? Any opportunity what? to shit on disco is that? Uh, <laughs> and I know. And knowing your dad, and he loves disco. That's pretty awesome. Still does. Yeah, to this
1: day. Some good music. Though. I
0: mean, I mean, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, is there any story? Is there any personal story you want to
0: talk about? You know, this is our C block. This is our. Uh, this is
1: our story time.
0: Yeah, I mean, besides that, like I said, not really any story time. There's definitely, you know, as I stated, to me, we also talk about in this, in this section, kind of where society was yep. when the film. We put it in some context of, you know, society and just. Looking at 1963, 64, we're really not going to talk about 64. I know I keep saying 64 because that's when it was released in America. Um, But Goldfinger will definitely touch upon 64 a bit more in that podcast. So I kind of want to stick to 1963 more so because that's when it was released in Britain. Um, Although kind of cool, a bit of trivia. um, America gets Dr. No... Now what is it? We get America got From Russia With Love and Goldfinger in the same year because of that yeah. crazy schedule that they have, uh, which is crazy to think that's about. Crazy. That there was a world where you would get two Bond films in one year, and we can't get two Bond films in, like, two years. Yeah, three years. Um, so We're lucky. That's something to think about. So when this film came out, here are some other films, and you can say if you've ever seen any of these films. Cleopatra. Yes or no? No. How the West Was Won? No. You've never seen How the West Was Won? It's one of the best westerns of all time. You should check that out. <laughs> it's a Mad I've been Mad been, World.
1: I have a feeling this whole this, this whole, whole conversation is going to be answer. me condescendingly being like, "You haven't seen yes. this film? Yeah. I'm actually going, really weak." This is, a, this is
0: a thinking man's movie. How have you not seen this yet? This is a thinking man's film. Um, so shame on you for not watching. It. No, no. Um, that's the. Uh, I'm really weak on this list of films. Um, that I'm about to read you. Except for How the West Was Won. Which, yeah, whatever. It's a Mad Mad World. Nope. Tim Jones. Nope. Um, Let's see. Oh, The Sword in the Stone, the Disney film. I have seen that one. You've seen that one, right? Yes. Yeah, that came out. I love that movie. So did I as a kid. That's a great movie. The Birds, the... I've seen enough of that that I'm going to say yes. Okay, so there's I've seen that as well. Um, Doctor No.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, the VIPs. No, I've not seen that, but I wrote it down. Uh, Louis, Jourdan, a, Louis Jordan, who has Louis Jordan, yes, yeah, a big part in the James Bond world. He's in that film with the one and only Elizabeth Taylor, who's also in that movie with Richard Burton, Black
1: Diamonds,
0: who soon yep. has become. Is soon to become her husband. After that, um, and the Oscars that year, Cleopatra was the big winner. Sidney Portier is also a winner, first uh, African American to uh, win Best Actor. So that's a hmm. it's a pretty big deal and kind of a, uh, a hint to the social change that's about to come um, here, at least in America. Yeah, TV wise, there's not a fucking thing on this list. That I had really watched. What was big about TV, though, at that time, it's the first half half hour news, which is crazy to think about. Like in the history of television, it's not until like 1963 in which networks are like, "Hey, we could do news for a whole hour." Before that, it was yeah. like these 10 minute segments, 10, 15 yeah. minutes of of that. Um, God, how great! How great! How great of a world was that? Honestly,
1: um, I are we're we're gonna, we're gonna sit down. We're gonna sit down for an hour to a half hour to an hour a night, and actually give real news. Yeah, we're not fake news. Real, real journalism. Real journalism, backing up what we're about to tell you. Right. Not just bullshit. For twenty four
0: hours, actual with news. somebody that's an expert. Right. Air quotes. So the only the, the the big TV thing, and I don't know if this is going to turn off any of our listeners. Doctor Who first premieres. I've not seen a single second of that series. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Is that true? That's it. why would I make that up? Why would I lie and say that? Are you like? Are you big? What is it? whovians Is that what they call themselves? Are you a Doctor yeah. Who fan? Are you? I, I haven't never knew I this haven't. about you. I haven't seen a single Doctor Who show either, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I was like, "There's
0: somebody in somebody in the UK is like right now." The they're never listening to us so. again. They, uh, they just yeah, deleted our podcast. They'll never <laughs> listen to us again. I was at the store the other day and I bought a mug. Um, it was on sale for a buck. It was a Yoda mug, so I bought it. And, and this girl line starts talking to me. And you have met me before. I don't like small talk, so I'm like, "Yeah." Yes. No. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm, okay. And then she said something, and she's like, "You know that thing from Doctor Who?" And I was like, "Oh yeah the uh, the phone booth and the guy ringing me up. There's a name. There's a specific name. It's not the phone. Yeah, booth. Yeah, yeah. It's not a phone booth. And he corrects me, and I was like, "What?" And he said, "You were just speaking about insert word here. It's called insert word here." And I was like, "Yeah, dude, the phone booth. I thought he was gonna punch me in the face." <laughs> I was like, holy shit, I didn't realize how serious Doctor Who fans are. I was, just, I was like, yeah, man, you're right. Just ring up my fucking mug. Here's a dollar, dude. How much taxes do I owe you on this? Um, so anyway, back to 1963. The big thing to come out of 1963 is the assassination of John Kennedy, at least yeah. stateside for us. Um, that's pretty big. That's, that's a, huge, a huge thing um obviously kennedy has a tie to this film he ranks it as losing
1: a, losing your president is pretty big
0: it is it's a very big thing um it's happened a number of times. too fuzzy on the math right now but that sounds about right maybe five yeah i would have to think about it for a second um you got what lincoln
1: lincoln uh, mckinley
0: i mean kennedy. Ass- assassinated are you talking about it or dying in office yes so assassinated Assassin. yeah you have uh lincoln mckinley um and kennedy uh garfield and garfield. kennedy so four yeah
1: so he's the fourth one
0: to uh get killed
1: in office that was a, assassinated so in got, office. Yeah. you got buchanan is the uh is buchanan the the guy that died
0: no william uh, harrison
1: harrison yeah talk talk too long yeah he
0: got sick and, Nobody uh, probably liked him anyways. I mean, if you're sitting there, bullshit. And then FDR, FDR died in, uh, in office. Yeah. Um,
1: anyways, I, I derailed you. Any, anyways,
0: anyways, yeah. So Kennedy has a tie to this film. Obviously, he lists the the novel as one of his like top ten novels. And it's the last film he sees an existence and life. Uh, they, they had a, a showing at the White House. And then he flies to Dallas the next day. And oh, then that's is crazy! Assassinated. That's crazy. Yeah, really. The next day. Yeah, like twelve, like within twelve hours of watching this film, he's assassinated. Is that's like it's fucking crazy. One of the last things, like literally, one of the last things he's one he of the did, last things he saw. Yeah, yeah. was this film. Um, so yeah, I, I've always it, talked about that makes about it totally different it historically. You know. Kennedy is kind of like this watershed moment. There's America before and there's America after. And and the death of John Kennedy really like kind of kills the innocence of that great generation that came after World War II and the whole 1950s and the baby boomers and young children. Like I said, your dad, you know, is 14 um, and 64. So he's 13 when Kennedy's assassinated. And then after this point, you just have a a different country, a different place. The world's different. Like, everything's just different. And as silly as it is, the parallel for me is, ironically enough, that's the same thing with the this film and the series. As trivial as that point is, it really speaks to there was a bond before and there was a bond after. My overarching point is I'm getting to... I think Bond is best when it taps into that social change. And so Mm -hmm. one of the big things recently that Barbara has talked about is every time they get together to do a new film, they tap into the idea of what is going on in the world now.
1: What is scaring us now? What
0: is scaring us now? And I'm not saying that we've had, you know, obviously we've lived through September 11th. Um, I'm not saying we live in a world where there is a before and after, but we definitely live in a world where, and to tie everything into where we are now, as you said earlier, this is you know a, a world in which Donald Trump is our president, which Britain has left the EU. Oh, yeah. So there, yeah. there is a world. France, before, France you know, is at an election that is that could change Europe radically. To the future. Yes, yes. So when we look at Bond Twenty Five. This time intentionally, whereas I think from Russia with Love unintentionally tapped into that social change, tapped into the idea of uh, uh, this film is going to be – there's going to be a before and an after. We're going to change where this film is going. We're tapping into that kind of that nervous energy, uh, that nervous energy also of the Cold War. I think one of the greatest strengths, like the unwritten – a lot of people don't really harp upon the idea that if you watch from Russia with Love in the lens of the Cold War – it, it fucking It's threading a line of, of that fear of the mm. East and the West. Um, we're trying to get something from Russia. They're chasing us. Their spy is actually besting Bond at every turn. At that point, the United States is getting killed in the space race. So there's some, I, I really think, unintentional. I, I Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe they did look at some of these fears and they did tap into it. Um, but when we talk about what Bond 25 can be, I think the idea to tap in that changing world and you look at they've created this idea of Spectre as an agent of change, of chaos. To me, that's what is going on in the world. Bond 25 has the potential to be a transformative film for the series. It has has the chance to be a film that really reaches out to mass audiences uh, more so than skyfall did i think skyfall and specter have done really good with back-to-back movies that have won oscars for songs mm-hmm. to it's kind of made the academy look at bond maybe just for that section but it's looking at it i mean there were people i remember when skyfall came out that said hey it's not out it's not too crazy in a world where the academy is not nominating 10 films Um, to nominate skyfall like could skyfall be a nominated film maybe maybe not bond 25 has a chance to legitimately be especially if something somebody like christopher nolan is at the helm to be a critically acclaimed film as much as it is a audience acclaimed film that the james bond series is being by tapping into that nervous energy by tapping into that transformative like Something is changing, and whether it's the Spectre, world is yeah. unstable. Yes, yes. And James Bond is trying to find his place into that. Is trying to and protect what Britain is in that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just I feel like there's a lot of potential there, Um and I don't know if that any of that tangent made sense. And
1: no, I think so. I think that's definitely fair. We're, we live in a world of Donald Trump. We live in a world of. Britain is leaving the the uh, EU. We have a world of uh Marine Le Pen and uh uh Marchon Marchon uh you know so a very very much of a parallel to Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. You have the uh Marine Le Pen is very much like Donald Trump. You have uh Marchon is very much uh left leaning but yet he's got bank ties very Hillary Clinton ish, you mm-hmm. know, you know. We, we live in a world of unstable times so yeah I, I think those are all very fair and valid points so
0: and i I would love to see in bond 25 and, and I and I know right now we're kind of on this tangent that we're really not talking about from Russia with love but yet we kind of are where uh-huh. the the sidekick so for for, for for one of the things that from Russia with love did very much is um and again I don't know if it's intentional or not the Cold War was fought by third parties and third party allies. And so mm-hmm. to me, Kieran Bay was British for to no end. He's a, but he does not look like your quote unquote, stereotypical, um, you know, he's, he's not what you would say a stereotypical white British person supposed to look like. Um, and mm-hmm. to me, he represented that third party ally um, yeah. as an ally in the Cold War. And as British, Britain is fighting uncertainty as the West is fighting uncertainty here now. I think Felix Slider has the potential to be a huge character in Bond 25, who? Felix. Who? Who is this? Exactly. Um, Jeffrey Wright is a phenomenal actor who I think can bring some of that levity. If you're asking if James Bond is supposed to represent Britain's place in the world and what's going on in the world to really represent that uncertainty with America – with the CIA, yeah. especially, you know, we've already established in this world that the CIA can and will do questionable things as it backed um, the wrong person and Quantum of Solace and Felix kind of mm-hmm. fought that to kind of represent that uncertainty in America and that argument that we're having left versus right and what's our place in the world. Um, Which was nine
1: years ago, by the way.
0: Yes. So again, whether from Russia was intentional or not I think Bond 25 if it's writing intentionally with purpose can can be can again when I earlier in the podcast I said from Russia is the film I think that's the mirror that we hold up other Bond films and say is it in that pinnacle of greatness that Bond mm. 25 can look right back and say no we're the new mirror like you know what I'm saying Yeah I think so okay I don't know if I'm making any sense here or not.
1: No, you're making great sense. I I just like listen to you. I I enjoy listening to you just rap and go through your, your, your theories and everything. So uh, let me ask you something that I I have started to enjoy asking is, is this a film that you would reproduce? And and to your point, you know, the, the discussion lately, is this something you could, is this a film you could reproduce? And maybe in like a cyber cyber warfare, you're not going to have a spectre machine anymore, but uh, some type is 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 this a film that you could
0: recreate nowadays? Um, are you asking like hypothetically? Or are you saying like would I? Is this one you would you would consider for
1: for reproduction? You would take the story and spin it for not necessarily Bond twenty five. Because we don't know where that's going, but like a future Bond film, would you re would you spin this film? Would you take this storyline and put a modern spin on it, or is this one you would leave Pat leave it leave it as is and look at a different film to to spin off on?
0: If they wanted to go back on on some of the old plots, I guess uh, if I'm understanding your question, I think it's a plot that can stand. The test of time that it was that we you could fit it into a what modern it, purpose. What is a modern MacGuffin?
1: Is this film is very strong in the MacGuffin area? Is there a modern MacGuffin we could lean to to reproduce this film? So my thing is, you know, especially a lot of the films that have a nuclear background or a, a nuclear warhead or something that is is taken taken over by one of the one of the entities. Is this one you could reproduce? Is this one you would make a remake? Yeah, I think remake. because it's pretty easy to
0: swap out the lector for something. For what? I don't know because I'm not a spy. I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I think so. Yes. Yeah. You
1: you would look to remake this film?
0: Um, would you remake this film? No, I wouldn't touch this film. You wouldn't touch this at all because it's, it's so pure? Yes. I've always said that if there's something that I would like to see him go back and get it right this time, it would be um you only live twice and i want yes. i want james bond to go back to japan and i want them to do it right
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's lots of room for improvement off of uh, you only live twice that's right. for sure all right um would you re- you have this at one right mm-hmm would you re-rank this? Would you keep this at 1? Uh, yes. or would you... It's still, yeah.
0: after re-watching and deep-diving into it, it's still 1.
1: And where do I have it? I think I have it at 4.
0: I have it at 4.
1: Uh... <sighs> yeah. I mean, this this shines a light on the inherent flaws of my my running rankings. Do I put it above Goldfinger? There are definitely days when I could put it above Goldfinger. I can tell you that. So I would probably keep it right about where it's at. I don't have the the exact same love you have for the film, but I I, I do have a pretty strong love for the film. It's it's a great film to watch. Yeah, and I would I would watch it any time. So okay. Um, any speculation about the film? Do you want to talk about, or are you content?
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any like point in this film where. You know, it's like if Bond had made this different choice, or if you know something else had happened. Because really, yeah, I think because it, it it's a clean film. Like it really, there's no point in which like, well, what if this had been done differently? I, I really mm-hmm. don't have that kind of qualm with from Russia, where it was like, oh, if they only had not done that um x would have changed we would have been at the same place so i yeah that really doesn't there's nothing no yeah keep it as is trains planes automobiles they have all chases <laughs> they have boats i mean yeah like even you know i watch yeah, watched this film like, with, with people team. and they're like oh like another chase and it's like yeah, man, that's that's some, that's part of the series. And that's another thing we miss with what is from Russia ad. Like, there really is a chase sequence with every fucking type of just transportation. Like, not, I'm sorry, not necessarily a chase sequence, but an action sequence. Yep. You know, there's the helicopter, there's the fucking yeah. boat, there's the train, there's the car. It's just, yes. yes. I love this film. No, I there's no, there's nothing needs to be changed. There's... You know, I don't think anything done differently, or you know, I like all the choices they made not to show Blofeld's face. Everything, Yeah. I'm, I like it. I
1: I can't argue against that. That's fair. Okay, all right. Are you uh, you ready to bring this
0: home? I I think I think we should. Yeah, I, I is this? I feel without editing, right now at this point, I think we have talked about and maybe when we edit it it doesn't feel like that but i think we've had a really legitimate conversation that has naturally lasted this long I, I don't feel like we forced anything too much i don't feel like there's been a lack of like oh what's next I, this really feels like a, a chat we had a chat and maybe it's just we haven't done this for so long that it's like i think it's we like haven't keep done talking this about so james long. you know yeah like, I missed yeah. this. Let's get back into
1: it. I really want to talk to you more about politics. Honestly, I've been sitting here going, it would be nice to just bullshit with you anonymously, weekly, where I could just be like, bullshit. Let me tell you what my... I was like, what would I call myself? Uh, white privilege will is what I think my... <laughs> yeah. I mean, No, but honestly, back to James Bond.
3: Good morning people I just landed in your town Good morning people I just landed in your town
1: We got to do this we got to we got to get back on track man it's like fucking May here Yeah we do. We gotta do. We gotta. We gotta do the random number, the uh, random number generator here, and uh, figure out what we're gonna talk about next. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you want to talk about next?
0: You know, if I had to, if I had to pick, I was just thinking about that in my head because I, I knew we were coming up toward the end here, and we're gonna do our random drawing of which film to cover. You know, so we definitely started with "On Her Majesty." We had a some Roger Mooreing going on there. Um, uh, is this our is this our second Sean Connery that we've done? In the Four Your Eyes, no. we did Thunderball, didn't no. we? Yes, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah. so this is the second one. Um, you know what? I think I said this last time. I kind of want to do a uh, a Pierce. Although I I'll be honest, and if if we get this effing lucky, and I just want to emphasize with the listeners, we do not pick this at no, all. No, I'm literally typing in random.org. Scott uh, doesn't dot know. Right I don't know. We have no idea. We have literally no idea. If we can do Goldfinger, I would also be happy with that. Are right, film... you ready? Okay. Alright, here we go. One
1: min, one max, 24. Right. Three, two, one. Number three.
0: Get out of here. <laughs> Are you serious right now? No. Uh, what number is it? 17. That's a Pierce. From Russia. Yeah, here we go. What number is it? 17. 17, my friend, is none other than the classic Nintendo 64 video game, Woo! GoldenEye. I am very excited about that. So my dream came to fruition. We get to do Pierce. We not only get to do Pierce, we get to do the best Pierce film. Although, I've said this before, not his best portrayal of Bond. Absolutely not. But the best If film. I could take
1: Die Another Day, James Bond, Pierce Brosnan, and put him in Goldeneye, best film potentially of all time.
0: What if we did a three-hour podcast on just the N64 game and did not talk about the film once? I would be
1: fine with that because chances are you and I will be the only one listening to this podcast, you know. So you never know. So I mean, uh, I'll be fine with that. And we could have a little spin-off and talk about Goldfinger afterwards, since we didn't we didn't get the number three that you were looking for.
0: Uh, let's see. So This is going to be our fifth. One, two, three, four. I have a little sheet that I keep so track of.
1: O- On Her Majesty's. On Her
0: Majesty's, followed by Thunderball, followed by Octopussy. From Russia right now, and we're gonna do Goldeneye next. Yeah, that feels right. Although I gotta be honest, I don't. The first Pierce I did that we did do, I didn't want to be Goldeneye. Mm. Like tomorrow or the world is not enough would have been perfect for me. But I hate those films. I hate's a strong word, and it's properly placed. Die another day deserves. Who was it? Didn't you have a friend that died? The no- die another day was their yes. favorite. Kenny. Oh my god! Kenny Martinez <laughs> loves die another day. <laughs> oh man, he's a good woodworker. I need to. I need actually. Need, I need to talk to him. So Scott, if you wanted to listen to this podcast, holy cow! We're getting to the uh, social media. Yeah, man. This? How? Where can you find us? Uh. Where can you find us? iTunes, Stitcher, yes. Podbean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Google yeah. Play. Stream it on our website. Mm-hmm. Follow us on Twitter if you've listened this far. If you've listened this many minutes to our podcast.
1: You know we're at bondingoverbond. Bonding bonding over bond.
0: If you want to look at our we're website that's not even made yet. Yep,
1: Bondingoverbond.com
0: Facebook, you are one on of those people.
1: Bonding over bond. Uh, excuse me, Facebook slash bonding over bond. Perfect. If send us an email. You want to send bonding us bonding over bond at gmail dot com. What is that again? Bonding over bond at gmail.com.
0: Perfect. And finally, do you want to get our
1: here's? Do you want to get on our good graces? Do you realize game? that we are going to have stickers and T-shirts in the very near future? We we are. If
0: you want to get on our good side, to get a free free sticker, Binding Over Bond sticker, mm-hmm. what can you do, Scott? How can you get one of those stickers? Send us an email at bondingoverbond.com. Although, if you have a good Twitter relationship with us, yeah, that's probably, probably going to get a sticker. Anyway. I mean, there's a 100% chance that if your Twitter handle is 00pop, we're going to direct <laughs> message you like you're getting a sticker, okay? Um, yeah.
1: If, you, if you're Jordan Peters, you're you probably going to get a sticker. sticker. Yeah. All right. But yeah. if you're not if you, those two. If you've helped us out in the past.
0: <clears throat> if you're not those two yeah. and you want a sticker. Send and us oh, an by email, the way. Interact with us on Twitter. And oh,
1: by the way. Yes. Uh, we haven't really checked our email lately. So if you just
0: Twitter, if you just tweet us. I ha- my, just... my phone is set up to alert me when bonding over bond gets emails.
1: Okay. That's good. Mine is not.
0: Yeah, mine is so I got us. I got us covered. Okay, so we are good to go. Um, and again, this is a podcast about bonding, so we do enjoy you know those times where we get to have conversations with um, people on Twitter or online, and you know obviously we've had more conversations than just with Double O Pop. Um, so don't feel bad if you have been c- chatting with us and you're like, what the hell? Oh yeah, guys, we, yeah, didn't, yeah, we yeah. didn't name yeah. through we you. We definitely had. You know, we yeah. appreciate all the interactions we have. It's just, you know, obviously Double O Pop, we talk to a lot. He's so been, he's going to get some shout constant. out here. I mean, he listens to us. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm willing to bet that even as long winded as this podcast has been, he's still listening right now. So yeah, let's Maybe. throw some shout out yeah. Uh, yeah, to yeah. him. But yeah. yeah, we got we got a few Spaser. people who, who definitely interact with us, and we appreciate it. Um, yeah. On Twitter, we enjoy the conversation because, again, bonding. This is what we're here for. We're here to bond over a mutual um, love for this long series that's been going on, and and excited to where it can go. Um, and we apologize for having taken this break, and we're trying to get more on schedule here um, to to put out more content and be a little more active. And one of these fucking days, we're gonna have a website that. I promise you, I promise you when this, hey. when this website's out, you guys are going to love it. I hope so. yeah I hope so. So you know, how do you want to close this? Do you know we went we we went an entire podcast talking about from Russia with Love, and we never brought up the fact that every time there's an audition between Bond and a Bond girl, they use the scene with Tatiana. Where she's in bed and she makes the comment about um, she thinks her mouth is too small, and he <laughs> says like it's perfect for me. Or that's the scene. Every performer. time they audition a Bond girl, it's from that. It's that scene from this movie. Did you know that? No, but how many how many times have
1: they auditioned somebody who to be James Bond though? No, it's, not, it when like, auditioned, it's, like it's not when they audition. Like one time when they
0: audition Bond. Every fucking Bond girl has had to go through that scene. Oh, really? Every Bond girl, like the main Bond girl that interacts with uh, with Bond, that's the scene. That's crazy to me.
1: What? That that's uh, sexist or what?
0: No, that that's. I mean, that's. It's that's a quick scene a as an actor. Yeah, you, you disregard the line. That's a wonderful noise. Um, I'm not going to edit that out. Um, it's a quick scene, and re- you know, disregarding the lines and whatever feelings one may have about whatever she says, you have to establish chemistry really quick, and that that that's what they're testing. If you can establish that sexual chemistry that quickly with so few lines, because you actually have to have an actor interaction with each other. So I get why they do it. It's just crazy to me that no other scene in the history, they've been like, actually, this is a better one. Which just goes <laughs> to prove my point. This deep in our recording from Rush With Love, it's the fucking best. Also, this film, and is it Die Another Day that Bond is being recorded in a hotel behind glass? How have we not talked about this? You and Die Another... Do they? Do they do that and die another day? I think it's die another day where he he goes to the um the, the yacht club the Hong Kong yacht club, right? Yeah, and they're recording him. That's twice in the series that he's been. Uh, oh,
1: oh, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that girl yeah.
0: comes up for the massage, and then yes. he like yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how many hotels? Do you think, like, this is fucking crazy. I bet this happens all the time in sleazy motels. How many hotels do you think have recorded people just fucking? Hotels. <laughs> uh, eh. I, I actually
1: wanted to ask you, like, because um, I, di- I didn't want to come off as, like, a sexist, misogynist person, but. You you are. um How awesome would be would Skyfall be? I I think Matt Monroe would do an awesome cover of Skyfall. Who? So the guy, the guy that does From Russia, if he did Skyfall, isn't he lounge singer? Yeah. Yes, he's dead. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, he would have he would have done awesome Skyfall. So, so you're just thing. saying a lot like a Tom Jones, like anybody, like a Tom just, Jones, a lounge singer, a lounge singer a, with a, Skyfall. Yeah. Frank Sinatra,
0: Tom Jones, a Matt Monroe. Okay. Anybody. Well, you can't just do a cover. Isn't it fair to say that like Adele is the modern day lounge singer? Like she's, she's awesome.
1: Yeah. I'm not, That that's what I, she that, comes from the, the same thing. school of. That's the biggest thing that I, I feel insulted by is like, I feel like if I say, it would be an awesome to hear a male do a version of Adele's version of Skyfall. It's like, are you fucking pig? No, I, no. no I but think I'm just, you're just saying. saying I think I'm you're saying, saying like, it would be you're awesome.
0: Saying. You're just saying that it would be that that would be a great song that would fit very well in the lounge, yes, S- singing style. S- lounge. I would like style. to hear a Michael Bublé pl- sing a Skyfall. I don't want to listen to Michael Bublé not necessarily. sing he, not... fucking shit. He can he, sing Christmas not, carols and that's it Shut the fuck up He's
1: not the, ex, he's not the exact version of, of a person That I'd like to hear sing it But I'm just saying a lounge singer version would be I would love to hear Skyfall By a
0: dare I say it A male voice sing Skyfall No there's nothing wrong with that Because I would like to listen to An like actual to a good s- singer sing Writing on the wall <laughs> So uh, tit for tat <laughs> You can give Skyfall to a male, and I'll have Adele actually sing writing on the wall, and the world's a better place for it. Okay, but then
1: somebody needs to sing writings on the wall, and uh, we'll have to figure out who that person is. Yeah.
0: Okay, then we're done. Remember. (laughs) Nope. Remember, what happens at a gypsy camp stays at a gypsy camp. Oh, I'm going to have to edit that out. So we'll try it one more time. (laughs) Remember, what happens at a gypsy camp stays at a gypsy camp. Thank you for bonding with us here at Bonding Over Bond. Until next time, shake it. Don't stir it.
3: By your luck, Mr. Bond. Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. Thank you, Mr. Bond. My name's Bond.
2: James Bond.
0: It wasn't too bad? Nah. Three hours later. You know,
2: it's been a while.